0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020. Still 2020. And you're listening to episode number 461. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show is Mr. Bob Reier.
2: A belated happy birthday to our friend Stephanie Cook.
0: Indeed! I had a very nice conversation with Stephanie on her birthday. It was very sweet. Aaron Amos is also here.
3: I've had just about enough.
0: And Joey Brichino <laughs> is back.
3: So now, I, now I'm in the third
1: spot, is, is what I've yeah. You not know noticing. what? You can all kiss my ass. How
3: about that? White guilt is real.
0: I try to do right every week, and this is the thanks I get. Uh, Friends, no, no,
1: I, I I am thanking you. I was just making an observation.
0: Well, you can shove your observation. (laughs) (laughs) The sun don't shine, all right? There, buddy, old pal, old friend, (laughs) been with me on this show forever. Never had a problem being in the third spot.
3: All I had to do was
2: plant a seed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, Uh, we all love each other here. Can't you feel the love?
2: Those who sow the wind will reap the whirlwind.
0: I like that. Where is that from?
2: The Bible. I do
0: believe.
2: (laughs) Speaking of seed. Remember that (laughs) David
1: Aja book seeds. Remember like two Two issues issues came came out. out. And then like they never finished it. I know. I'm pretty sure he tweeted something the other day that was like four comics that you love more than anyone else. And it was just the first issue of seed four times. And I was like, bro. This is too meta for me. Where, where, When is this series ending? Anyway,
0: Steve, the show is yours. Thanks. Good to know. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So we got news, 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 and more news. This is going to be a very, very news-heavy episode. We've also got lightning rounds. But uh, yet again, we're going to skip the list of questions because time is a thing. And uh, people need sleep, people need to collect themselves after a long day in this hellish life that uh, we have uh, entered, and, uh, but yeah, well, we got plenty of comics, lots of superheroes, lots of indie stuff, lots of debuts, some television shows that were long overdue for watching, and like I said, lots of crazy ass news, this was a big week for comic book related stuff, trailers, all that jazz. So, why don't we kick things off right away with Mr. Aaron Amos? <gasps> well, look at that. So, this is going
3: to be actually... <laughs> I'm actually... This is going to be pretty quick because these are actually... Um, I read more. I read uh, quite a few books, but I'm actually going to talk about these because, I I don't know, they related to me um, in sort of the message that they're trying to give and sort of the, the time periods that they are both representing. So, it's going to be interesting. So, Book number one. I can. I finished reading Volume One of Genius, uh, Mark Bernardin and Afua Richardson. As you recall, that was the story of Destiny, this strategic uh, prodigy, seventeen-year-old African American girl living in uh, the ghetto of California, and basically just deciding that she was going to use her skills uh, and her, you know, incredible brain to stage a, I don't know what you want to call it, a rebellion of sorts. Um, basically taking back her neighborhood um, and you got and, and as I continue to read through the book you got to see a lot more of her background and what led her down this path how she picked up some of her you know her skills how she um, you know basically put all the pieces in place and you got to see that this path that she's on right now is not one that sort of sparked out of some particular event but rather it was something that she'd planned uh, Well, in advance, um, and it just began to ratchet up the tension and the stakes and and the the role that she would play. Um, the character it's very interesting because there, this book challenged me, you know, in the sense that you somehow root for this character because you see what the objectives are. The objectives are obviously to sort of disrupt the status quo, and the status quo being. You know what we're seeing today—the the, second-class citizenship of, of African American people, people of color. I'm not going to—it's not just African American people, people of color. You know, in her neighborhood, in her city, in the world. Uh, but obviously, she can only focus on the on the micro scale. Um, but even though you you root for her and you root for her her cause, some of the actions that she takes to get there are are a little, ext- well, not a little, but quite extreme. Um, and so you struggle with it. You struggle with. You know i understand where you're going is this what but is this how we want to do it but I, I definitely understand the need that you know that you feel to do it not the need to do it but the need that you feel to do it And i want to make sure i make that clear for anyone who's read the book and i want them to call me like a you know sociopath of some sort but um in any event um i feel like sometimes the the that was the point of the book you know what to make you ask that question Um, and it made me think back to a phrase that I keep hearing. I have been hearing for weeks and weeks and months now that's been playing over and over again on the various podcasts, you know, that, you know, I've been listening to or news stories and various pundits coming on. And they basically say in response to the, the, the riots and the protests and all that stuff that have happened since George Floyd, et cetera, et cetera, is be happy that we're not asking for, we're asking for equality and not revenge. You know, and this book is essentially the playing out of the story of this is what happens if we ask for revenge. Um. I, I would recommend it because it really does. I would recommend it for the story, for the art and all that stuff, all the normal comic book things that we talk about. But I would recommend it more so because of the questions it makes you ask. Um, and I think those are important questions. I'm not saying that I agree with all the the, the, the actions and the, the things that happen, but I understand the question that it's asking me to, make, to, to answer. So highly recommend it. Um, so the next book – in honor of our, the announcement that Milestone Comics is coming back and the fact that I've had this book staring at me for years now, <laughs> uh, I decided to read Hardware 1 through 5, um, Hardware Demand Machine, essentially taking place in Dakota City, if anyone knows the, the Static Shock you know backdrop. Um, it's basically, uh, it's, the team is D- Dwayne McDuffie, may you rest in peace, and Dennis Cowan. Uh, so basically this follows a guy named Curtis Metcalf. Curtis is a child prodigy. Um, just years and years and years ahead of everyone else around him, really took to science and technology, who over uh, over the years begins to uh, fall under the wing of uh, an individual who owns this company called Alva. Um, over that time, he begins to work for the Alva Corporation and essentially makes them a crap ton of money um, through his inventions and through his technology. Unfortunately, after a little bit of time there, he realizes that Alva is corrupt, uh, and so is their CEO. So he feels that he can just go in and get some information, get some 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 evidence and present it to the authorities. That doesn't quite work out because corruption runs deep. Um, and so hardware is born. Um, hardware, obviously, there's a parallel to Iron Man. There's always going to be those parallels to Iron Man. Um, but I think the motivations are a little bit different here. Um, what is interesting about this is that his objectives are um, – it reminded me a lot of the the objective of of the, maybe the first and second season of Arrow, in that the objectives there were not there was no there were no limits. There was no holding back. There was no there's a line I'm not going to cross and and all that stuff. He was all in, and this character was all in. And the motivations, you know, were pretty much the same, you know, as in a uh, genius that I just spoke about. Um, the basic, I don't know, the oppression that this company put on this individual once he decided he wanted to, to sort of take a higher, a bigger role in that company and, and, and learned of the corruption, he was basically told that you're coming to me right now is basically akin to a dog telling its master it wants to be free. Um, and you know, it, I, I immediately saw the parallels between what I was reading and Genius. But um, I, I love the '90s vibe of this book um, and what it's the, the 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 art, the the message that it's telling, how you can certainly relate to that time um, and the story that. Um, was relevant then, how relevant it still is today. But in any event, it's just exciting to see that Milestone is is coming back, and this kind of story is going to be told again. I'm hoping that it's told in the same sort of backdrop, in the same settings, and um, just the visuals um, carry through to 2020 or 2021, rather, when it comes back. Definitely, for those of you who who like that Dakota City, that Milestone um, sort of history, Check it out. I'm going to dive back into a lot of the milestone things just to sort of catch, catch myself up before February when everything's supposed to come out again. So those are my books.
0: Oh, nicely done, man!
3: Thank you very much. Thank you. That not just, uh, not just sounds a face. like
0: <laughs> sounds like I got to pick up that genius book you were talking about. I uh, you know how much I love books that ask big questions.
3: Yeah, I didn't see it going that way. I mean, it it didn't shock me, but it i didn't expect it it was very she just she ratchets up the the risks that she's willing to take and this and the sacrifices that's kind of what i want to make the sacrifices that she's willing to make in there is just a very carefully thought out plan there's a volume two so i actually bought that i'm going to uh, plow through that one as well
1: yeah i was going to ask if you have finished it out yet
3: but cool right on, awesome. man thank you thank you very much
0: very 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 welcome you're always bringing stuff that to the show that I'm not aware of, that I need to have, like, my own little Aaron list of things to read.
3: I'm hanging out in the underbelly of comics trying to find the stuff no one else needs.
0: Okay. People tweet us <laughs> saying, you know, oh, God, you guys cost me so much money. And I'll say it again. This show costs us all a lot of money. <laughs> very, That's true.
3: very true. That's very true.
0: Very, very true. Um, how about I go next?
4: Oh, whoa, whoa,
0: the immortal <laughs> Hulk numbers one through 19, written by Al Ewing, art by Joe Bennett, inks by Roy Jose, uh, Bel- Bellardino, uh, Bravo, and Mark Searing, colors by Paul Mount and Rachel Rosenberg, letters by VC's Corey Pettit. Simply put. I've read 19 issues of The Immortal Hulk and still have very little idea as to what exactly is going on throughout this series. Oops. From what (laughs) I can gather, it picks up after Hawkeye killed Bruce Banner in some event I can't recall the specifics of, and now Bruce's relationship with the Hulk persona has mutated into some strange, dark, and disgusting mess that makes this book feel like a John Carpenter body horror joint from the early 1980s. Very nice. Uh, It's angry. It's terrifying. It's grotesque. But it's also mesmerizing in a way that makes me want to keep reading. Again, I have a very flimsy grasp on what is actually happening in this run, but I'm enjoying it regardless of my confusion. I've certainly never read a Hulk book like this one, and considering that the few uh, times that I've tried... To read Hulk, and they've never really hooked me. I consider this to be a fun experiment with a classic character, uh, and I know Joey talked about Immortal Hulk on the show a few weeks ago. So I'm not going to spend too much more time on it. In fact, I'm going to move on. Uh, well, we'll come back around to the Immortal Hulk when I'm done. Slaughterhouse Five, yes, or the Children's Crusade original graphic novel. Kurt Vonnegut with Ryan North and Albert Montes. As far as I can tell, and I have never read the original novel, so I might get some of this wrong. Maybe Joey can correct me if I screw this up. Girl, hold
1: on a second. You ain't never read Slaughterhouse-Five?
0: Dude, the amount of things that I have not read would blow your mind. See, that was a school staple back when I was in school. Yeah.
1: That's one bitchin' story. That's a Footloose reference for all my theater heads out there. (laughs) Hey!
0: So as far as I can tell, uh, Slaughterhouse-Five is the story of Billy Pilgrim, uh, who opened a successful optometry business, built a loving family, witnessed the bombing of Dresden, traveled to the planet Tralfamador, uh, and is an avid reader of, Arthur, uh, of, uh, of author Kilgore trout, trout and became unstuck in time. The book follows Billy through times of war, his battle with PTSD, and a secret alien abduction that made him the lone representative of Earth and its troubled human race. At least until he was joined by Montana Wildhack, a sex worker who then gave birth to <laughs> Billy's third child. I saw this story as a scathing look at war and how sending children to kill in the name of peace is no solution to unrest. It's also a fascinating read. The main character becomes unstuck in time at several points in the story, meaning that he mentally detaches himself from his present situation and travels either forward or backward in time. It makes for some intense timey-wimey storytelling, but who better to tackle that loopy narrative device than unbeatable Squirrel Girl writer Ryan North? Albert Montes' art is also a standout here. His cartoony style evokes something akin to a cross between Jeff Smith's bone and Albert Uderzo's asterisk and obelisk, for me, uh, with plenty of exaggerated facial features and vivid color work displayed all throughout the book. The wartime sequences are particularly striking as they allow you to feel the soldiers despair and smell the train cars filled with human excrement and dead bodies. Maybe Joey can speak on this book when compared to the original novel, but I really enjoyed this book a lot. Uh, I was taken by North's handling of the material, and there are definitely some parts of the story that I won't ever forget. For example, and this is a bit harsh, so just brace yourselves, uh, there's this part where Billy talks about the candles used to light his bunkhouse and how they were made from the fat of, and I quote, rendered Jews and Romani and communists and queers. Good Lord, what are humans and how have we allowed such evil people to rise to power once again? Uh, ooh, ooh, <laughs> so that's oh, Slaughterhouse-Five. Ah. God Goddamn right. Uh, and last but not least, Harley Quinn. DC Universe's Harley Quinn. We're finally watching it. We are only four episodes into the series so far. Uh, my favorite character so far, Harley, of course. Poison Ivy is absolutely amazing. Bane is hilarious. Clayface is great. And so is Frank. Frank is Poison Ivy's like roommate slash Venus flytrap a la Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. And the I, I bounced off the first episode pretty hard, never made it to the end, when I tried watching it by myself. But now that people have ranted and raved about it and I'm watching it with Bronwyn, we had a really good time with it. I love how much the show lampoons the Batverse and presents each of the villains as extreme parodies of themselves. Clayface being this over-the-top thespian type and just all of all of that stuff. Like I can think of more examples, but I don't think you need them. Uh, I'm waiting for King Shark. I'm waiting for my band Ron Funches to come in and voice King Shark. Hopefully that's coming in an episode or two. And we'll talk more about Harley Quinn later when we get to the news, but yeah, finally uh, we have arrived and we are enjoying and laughing our asses off at Harley Quinn. So uh, really, yeah, I- I'm glad to be watching. We finished, like I said, we finished His Dark Materials. We finished uh, Doctor Who season twelve the other day, and uh, we're gonna watch Dark season three, but that's more of like a weekend binge thing so we started harley quinn and have not looked back since so what'd you think of doctor who it was kind of it was kind of a mixed bag it um the first episode of season 12 was probably one of my favorite episodes of doctor who ever um and then it kind of dipped in the middle a little bit and it, it did that thing where they set a couple of things up and then didn't go back to them remotely uh, for several episodes and in some cases at all. But um, I'd say the last the last four episodes, the the, the last three all kind of went together. Um, I think it finished really strong, but was was a little touch and go in in the middle for me. sometimes, Doctor Who gets a little bit up its own ass for me with its, with its science and stuff like that. And it, I don't know. Um, I do, I do really enjoy the companions. Uh, I'm enjoying the fact that it's, it, they're all just in it to win it. They're all friends. They're all looking to protect one another and learn from the experience. Uh, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor Who is, I think is doing a fantastic job. As the character, Uh, I suspect she'll be in for at least one more season, if not another one. Uh, I'll be very I'm always really curious to see who they replace the doctor with. But um, yeah, I don't know. Some pretty big revelations in season 12. They reveal some things about the doctor's history uh, that we never knew up until now. And it kind of explains the doctor's generation uh, regeneration process and why it's different from other time lords and stuff like that. Uh, and I don't know the actor's name, but whoever played the master in in these these Jodie Whittaker episodes, uh, I should look up his name. He is just amazing. I love his energy and his facial expressions, and kind of his just his extreme body language. He is definitely having a lot of fun, hamming it up uh, as the master, who is who has always been one of my favorite villains since I started watching um, during the Eccleston era and, and have been watching since. So he,
3: he gets on oh my goddamn nerves. What's that? <laughs> he gets on oh my goddamn nerves. That actor playing the master. I feel no. like John Sim did the same oh, thing. Oh, dude,
0: I love him.
3: Missy was everything.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Missy was fantastic. I would love to see some episodes with, with Missy and Jodie Whitaker's doctor uh, doing stuff and whatever and getting each other's faces. But I, I really like the guy playing The Master. I, like I, will, say, I, I will say,
3: I will because I've been watching, I don't know if you guys have um, watched Pluto, but they have a whole Doctor Who channel there that shows the classic episodes. So I've been, you know, like on weekends, if I'm cleaning or something, I will, you know, in, on quarantine. Um, but I will throw that channel on and just watch old episodes that I never knew before. And I actually definitely see some things that are throwbacks, you know, back there. And I saw the one thing um, that I didn't realize at the time, but the whole thing with him miniaturizing people hmm that's definitely from the classic series because i actually really? watched a couple yeah i watched a couple of episodes and i'm like oh snap they actually <laughs> they oh, did wow. their history i'm, like, who I'm surprised
0: bronwyn didn't point that out she's been watching uh doctor who since she was in utero her parents oh. literally sitting uh, on the couch with her yeah. in her mom's belly watching doctor who uh sasha uh hawan is his uh is the master i i i think he's great <laughs> So, yeah. Hey, you know, we've yeah, been yeah. through this. See each their own. No, oh, a... he was he was Davos. In, I was gonna uh, say, is uh, that Davos? Yeah. Ah yeah. yeah. I hate that. He guy. He was in that garbage, <laughs> that garbage show <laughs> that Marvel pooped out.
1: Oh man. Like Iron Fist. Fist. Iron just showed
0: so much promise in the and the, the tail end of the second uh, season.
1: Remember the remember the cliffhanger to the end of season two, and we yeah. were like Yo! And then they were like the next day they were like that show is canceled. Well,
0: that was this that was the, the show I was interested in watching and then they're like no no doors of the dragon for you.
1: Yeah.
3: Wait, 2 weeks ago my good friend calls me he texted me he says hey, uh, I just started the first episode of Inhumans. What do you think? I said <laughs> I said I think that if you finish that show our 20 year friendship is over.
1: Oh. Actually, <laughs> if he finishes line. that sh- if they finish that show, they'll be probably the only person in the world that did. <laughs> yeah. I tried, y'all. I really tried. Remember like last month or 2 months ago, I was like I logged into Disney Plus. I was going to do it again. I couldn't I couldn't get through that first episode. I couldn't do it. That's
3: so awful. He it literally awful. He literally said, "Okay, how about I switch over to Runaways?" I'm like, "Better choice."
1: Yeah, Runaways I want to watch.
0: Runaways was good. I um I, I couldn't keep up with it. I I, I definitely have an issue uh, going week to week with some things. I, I tend to watch things when they're collected.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: um, Hulu doesn't – I don't know if they just keep their stuff, but they don't release their their things on, uh, on Blu-ray. Not to my knowledge anyway. There's a Marley's, lot of stuff from them.
2: No, they've, they've been real spotty. That goes yeah. back a ways. They released season one of Agent Carter, for instance, but never released a second one in this country, though they did in England. Well, Agent Carter was ABC, mm-hmm. right? But still, Marvel Studios—they put out the first one because it's still I Disney. Wonder, yeah,
0: I don't know if we ever got our hands on season two.
2: I never,
1: but I never, never saw ca- it. It never came out on DVD. That, that also had a cliffhanger that never yeah. got
3: resolved. Jeez, I don't know if I ever watched the final episode. I watched both seasons, but I don't know if I ever watched the final episode. Hmm. She meets the Inhumans. No, she doesn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joey, just to round back really quick, give me your mm-hmm. uh, your quick take on uh, Immortal Hulk and Slaughterhouse-Five. Oh,
1: I, okay. So Immortal Hulk, I'm caught up with. They're in the mid-30s now with that 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 series. It is madness. That, is, that series is madness. I think the reason why you're like, what the hell is going on? Has he gone to hell yet? He went to hell, right? Yeah, that was North? the second. That was the, yeah, the third that- arc, actually insanity right and you're just oh, like yeah, how yeah, did yeah. we get here uh, and it's weird and it's dark it's like it's bizarre can I, I spoil
0: something from like issue 19 is that cool
1: sure i mean i don't care that issue 19 would be almost a year and a half old at this point
0: okay so i'm at the point in the story where he has somehow channeled the gray hulk oh and he's uh uh, like Joe, fix, Joe it. fix it again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so that kind of came out of nowhere because not, not only am I not familiar with gray Hulk at all. Yeah. But it just, I, I was struggling forever with like, is Bruce Banner actually the Hulk? Because I, they didn't really show him transforming yeah. all that much. And then there was one page in particular where it was very clear That he is transforming in this, like, gross basket case uh, waxwork horror show. And I was like, okay, it is him.
1: They're doing this, like, banner in the daytime, Hulk in the nighttime thing, which is, like, a whole nother layer to it.
0: Yeah. I, I am
1: really liking Al Ewing's run because it is totally, like, the concept is clear. They're doing this body horror, like like horror Hulk comic on a level that hasn't really been done. It's always been part of the book, to be honest, it's kind of like terror element, Mm -hmm. but this is like, they're going all in on it. Yeah. But Uh, it's also kind of like, there are elements of the lore that is present. And I think a lot of like Peter David stuff from the early nineties is in here. And like the kind of uh, multiple personality stuff, mm -hmm. but also not to spoil too much, but in the in the current issues, like 30, 31, 32, first of all, the Dario Alger character from Jason Aaron's Thor run oh. is a, a big character in it. He's kind of the big bad right now, but also some of Greg Pak's Hulk run is starting to be um, kind of relevant to the book. And Greg Pax Hulk, which is like culminates in like the World War Hulk stuff and the, the Planet Hulk, which is awesome. And that's, that's kind of when I started reading some Incredible Hulk. And uh, it's really cool to see Al Ewing kind of like taking us through Hulk's history and Hulk's kind mm-hmm. of like the canon of Hulk, but channeling it through this like terrifying, grotesque, like phantasmagoria of, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of horrors.
0: Yeah, I'm totally enjoying it. Like I'm I'm on board for all of it. It's it's one of those things where I don't understand all of it, but it's not taking away from my enjoyment of the book. The yeah. book is so wild and unpredictable and and just really fascinating in like I just don't know what gross thing they're going to come up yeah. with next. I mean, some of that has, stuff. Yeah. Has There's, Betty
1: shown up in your – in your? That re- was your, another
0: thing that oh, I was really my confused about. She shows up and she's got stuff going on and I was just like, what even is this? So Is she, is she like the Red, red
2: She-Hulk or the Harpy?
1: Oh, no, no. She's a Harpy in this yeah. okay. one. It is. It that, goes, is that goes
2: back to yeah, I think Engelhart and Harp Trimpey.
1: Oh, yeah. She's a Red Harpy. It's, it's best Oh, cool. Cool um so in the 20s like in the in like the mid middle of the series you're about to go into all the whole characters come back they're like they all hang out it's like every single one just rolls in anybody who was gamma radiated at any point get ready you're gonna have to be doing a ton of wikipedia uh, once you get into the 20s uh
0: steve doesn't wikipedia
1: yeah and slaughterhouse five is i mean how, how long do i have uh Slaughterhouse Five. The, Ryan talked about it when he was on the show a few months ago, and he was talking about the challenges of like breaking that story. Um, and I got to tell you, it works. Like the approach to transforming Slaughterhouse Five into a, a graphic novel format, it's 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 brilliant. And the way that he broke that story, the way that he frames it. Uh, through Vonnegut's eyes, through the kind of comic book medium, uh, the use of paneling. It's like on another... Who's the artist again? I'm sorry. I, I blanked on it.
0: Uh, it is Albert Montes.
1: I love it. The layouts, the the the, the style of the artwork, it's perfect for it. Um, what's crazy is like the central premise of Slaughterhouse-Five, Billy Pilgrim Comes Unstuck in Time. Like comics is the perfect medium yeah. then to explore that. Uh, cause comics as like a theoretical medium is like the, the transposition of time over space. Right. Yeah. And like, that's what slaughterhouse five is all about. And I like, as a, as a, as a text, like, and, and the way that, that North, uh, constructs it, it's, it's perfect. It's awesome. I saw one review that was like, the comic is better than the novel. And I was wow. like, that's a bold statement. I will say that in terms of form, it is such a remarkable read and it's, it's right up there with the, with reading the novel for the first time when I did that in high school as well. Um, The narrative, I have always loved Slaughterhouse-Five. I have always loved Slaughterhouse-Five for its commentary on war for bringing Dresden and the firebombing, the allied firebombing of Dresden kind of to like the forefront in like kind of our understanding of world war II, Like, and it's also like Vonnegut, like it's Vonnegut's like, it's his like first piece, like his first novel that really breaks. It's the story that he had in him. It's the story that he wanted to tell. And then everything that kind of follows owes itself to slaughterhouse five in a lot of ways. Um, it has that classic kind of Vonnegut sci-fi element to it with the Truffle Midorians and all of that. But the core of it is that it is a anti-war novel and Vonnegut being someone who served in world war II and experienced Dresden firsthand. And that is a defining moment in his life. Uh, the novel carries that st- out so much. And I'm so glad that North was able to find a way to, to, to keep that at the forefront. Um the only th- okay, so the thing that I think that the novel and the graphic novel, the graphic novel doesn't nail, I think, is the the the, the ending. Um, it it felt sudden in felt, a way yeah, felt that I very abrupt in a way that I think the novel doesn't, uh, which is, which I found interesting because it's it's almost like the same exact beat, um, and yet for some reason reading the graphic novel for some reason that ending didn't land in the same way, but, but that's just a kind of a little nitpick for what is otherwise just an astounding adaptation of a a challenging text, a challenging novel in the first place, but, but just a a really like masterclass transformation of uh, Vonnegut's work.
0: Oh, indeed. I'm hooked. Yeah, dude.
2: He's uh, Vonnegut. I experienced that. I guess in the ninth grade, and the first time I ever heard about Dresden was reading the novel. Oh, yeah. Because it wasn't being taught that we did these things. And now you're getting, in the same way that Rod Serling, who was a paratrooper in World War II, channeled that experience through all his Twilight Zone episodes, which made him, as Vonnegut as a great humanist writer. It's yeah. science fiction because stuff is happening science fiction-y, but it's about people. And there's yeah. so many narrators, though, in that book. That had to be something that comics could do really well, just by changing the point of view a little bit.
1: Of course. And I think that that's something that like that the team nails, like the, the, yeah. the, the, the scope and sequence of the story is captured so perfectly the way you're bouncing back and forth in time in the same way that Billy is. Right. But the mm-hmm. point of Vonnegut's sci-fi, the point of the whole trough stuff in the novel. And then in the graphic novel is that it's a story about tra- trauma. It's a story about like yeah. the way that memory operates Billy Pilgrim has become unstuck in time because he's coping with the trauma of war every day of his life. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's the central metaphor of the piece. And, and North doesn't stray from that. He keeps it at the core. What he does that makes the book so interesting is he frames it from Vonnegut as the writer's perspective. Um, Vonnegut appears as a character in Slaughterhouse-Five, the novel as well. But, but North takes that to just, uh, just a, a, a deeper level as, uh, and it, I I just I really loved it. I was totally taken with it. Um, and it, you know, it's rare for me to like. I, I I tried reading last year the the Handmaid's Tale graphic novel adaptation. Beautiful, beautiful adaptation, and the artwork is is stunning in that one. But it's a it's a pretty straightforward adaptation, right? Like it's it's almost beat for beat. It just adds the visual element. Uh, it's rare that you get an adaptation that is. I even hesitate to use the word adaptation. I, I, I it really is a transformation of the story. while Staying true. Yeah. It's, but, but, but staying true so much to, to what that story is about. So yeah, it's one of the best, best ones I've, I've read um, in that, in that vein.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I super, super loved that a lot. And uh, yeah, there's a, it gives you like a, a legend at the beginning of the book. It kind of gives you like a, a character map, and stuff like that. So you kind of go into the book knowing who you'll meet and what their significance to the story is, so that you have at least a little bit of background for when you're kind of thrown all about with these characters and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I just I found the presentation and the little details and, and kind of the roadmap of, of the plotting of the book to be something that I could follow quite easily. And it was extraordinarily surreal. Uh, mm-hmm. Particularly in in the moments where uh, Billy Pilgrim is becoming unstuck in time, and people are asking him questions, and you he he's framed as kind of this severely affected but disaffected person that is almost simple minded to a degree, and 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 kind of the runt of the litter in terms of where he is in the war and stuff like that. And I really didn't know what to think of him as uh at first but as you go through the story you come to find that he really is just he's absor- he's absorbing so much of the horror that's around him that he's changed from the very very beginning of the story mm. and and even more so by the end of it and um the people are frustrated with him and they don't know they don't take him seriously they don't know what to think of his stories and stuff like that. And it's, it's just, wow. you know, like is the, is the alien abduction stuff even remotely true? Or is this just a fantasy that he's created to, you know, cast himself away from people for any number of uh, amount of time in his life? It's uh, it's wild. I mean, I, I would love to go back and read the novel, but as far as my first exposure to the story itself, I, I thought it was outstanding.
1: You could probably read that novel in like three days. Like yeah, that's I mean, a that, that's a book you can't put down, and and Vonnegut's an incredibly accessible writer in that sense.
0: We've got one of his uh, one of his books downstairs. Can't remember the name of it.
1: Is it Cat's Cradle? Yep, yeah.
0: that's the one. <laughs>
1: Cat's Cradle's a popular. one. I think Cat's Cradle was actually the first one I read, uh, but Slaughterhouse is the one that stuck with me. I've read several of of his works. He's he's one of my favorite writers. Um, never taught it. Never taught it. Never came across the. teaching desk but it's just
2: well now you have a graphic novel to do
1: yeah yeah you know yeah it's true um i did one of my one of my final presentations at, at for undergrad was was on vonnegut and slaughterhouse five and absurdism and and war literature um and it just that that book just keeps popping up in my like reading and academic career
0: yeah and it was fun to uh, at least for me after having read like i i binged uh, unbeatable squirrel girl after bob had talked about it for so long and we knew it was coming up for the awards and you know i love staying with a character staying with a with a creator on a on a long run like that sometimes and even though the subject matter is completely different there was definitely you could you had it had that Ryan North flavor to it in in certain instances. There were little bits and bobs that I picked up and be like, oh man, that's like that's kind of like what he did in Squirrel Girl. Uh, so that that was fun to to you know pick out those little bits. And yeah, just uh, just a hell of an experience if uh, if you got the chance to check it out. Definitely worth picking up for sure. All right. Anybody else have anything for me before we move on? No. All right. Uh, Bob, why don't you uh, do your lightning round? Okay. say <coughs> Here we go. <gasps> All right. You've got five minutes on the clock. Go.
2: Metalman number 10, Dan Didio and Shane Davis takes a deep dive into the dark multiverse. Enough said for that. Captain America number 23... By Ta-Nehisi Coates, Bob Quinn, Matt Miller, and Joe Caramagna was an absolute fist pumping joy centered on the final battle between the evil soul stealer Celine and Sharon Carter. Clinton, the Iron Patriot armor of the former Agent 13, still finds himself coming up short, but, no, no spoilers here, just suffice it to say that Mr. Coates continues to bring amazing insight into this book's cast of characters, something that will come in Pretty handy based on the shocking cliffhanger to this issue. Hmm. Giant Size X-Men Storm by Jonathan Hickman, Russell Dowdman, Matthew Wilson, Ariana Mayer. It continues the story from Giant Size X-Men, Jean Grey and Emma Frost. Here, the cure for the techno virus infecting Aurora lies within the spatial temporal anomaly known as the world. So a ragtag team of X-folks that include Cypher, Phantom X and Monet head out to make things right with the help of a doing-it-for-the-money rogue AIM scientist named Ned. This is more of a straightforward X-Men book than the previously mostly silent one, but the combination of the two modes, at least to my mind, made each of them stronger as part of the whole. Besides that, the art here by Darman Wilson is absolutely stunning, with some really amazingly evocative images of Storm that better than I've seen in a good long while. And when you pair that with her words such as, The measure of life is in the living. It isn't a series of do-overs and restarts. It's fighting for what you have, what you believe in. It's fighting for who you are. That's powerful stuff. Finally, there's a new expanded version of the trade collection of Kristen Gunnuck's Girl, just out from Dark Horse. This edition sports a lovely new cover. It also has some some Kristen's, well, how do we call it, chicken fat, even on the cover. And... Because of that, you'll be able to recognize this as opposed to the other one. Most delightfully, though, it also contains a brand-new 16-page henchgirl story. Kristen. Kristen takes us back to the finale of her original number 11, which saw the Beta Carrot team enforcing martial law across Crepe City and then shooting forward a few years to give us a look-see into what Mary Pose and her crew are up to. We expand that to a few more years, and there are even some new recruits to the Butterfly Gang who get a chance to shine. And really, everyone has wonderful moments. They're just there for each of the cast, running the gamut from laugh-out-loud-funny to tear-jerking. And these new pages were worth the price of admission. And when you consider that I have bought all 11 single issues and the first trade, I say that constitutes a recommendation of the highest order. You've been intrigued by Henchgore from all my yapping over the, over these last five years or so. <laughs> Or if this is your first time you're hearing Mike Cavell about this Marvel Superhero Satire slash Slice of Life series, do yourself a favor and grab this expanded edition. That's it for me.
0: Oh, I can't wait to read that. I picked that up at the shop last week. I just didn't get around to it yet.
2: Yeah, you get to see what all our old friends are up to. I, By the way, sitting right at my computer, I have my official beta carotene pin.
0: Amazing. Yes, she's right here, staring at me, ready to like rip my arms off or something. That is, without a doubt, one of the best team names I've ever heard. Uh,
2: uh, if I recall, Kristen told me that her boyfriend came up with that name. Well, <laughs>
0: give just, him the just, just,
2: had, just had a go with that, and uh, I don't know that he would have expected all of it to come out the way it did with giant teams of you know mutated sentient carrots running around enforcing martial law or anything. <laughs> But it works. It's just, it's a, it's a great pun and a great visual to go with it.
0: I wonder if anything will come of Hench Girl in other mediums. Wasn't there supposed to be a show or a movie yep. or some such? TV. It's, it's, okay. it's in development.
2: And then COVID. We may get to see Mary Poza on screen one of these days. As long as we get the mannequin and Coco and... The Beta Carrot
0: Team and of course Penny. We've got to get some Penny on screen. Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right, um, you guys. Who wants to? Who wants to talk to Bob about Storm? Number one, giant size X Men. Aaron.
3: So what I want is a full graphic novel of nothing more than pages of Storm giving you Beyonce hair. <laughs> yeah. <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. And then you can build whatever story around it you want. I don't really care. I just want those pictures.
2: With Russell Dallerman doing them. Yes, absolutely.
3: I just, every time I see her in print, I just love her more and more and more. I can honestly say I don't recall. I'm not to say that there's none out there, but I don't recall there being a story that entire that I've read that entirely puts her in a bad light. She continues to maintain this sort of the character continues to maintain this sort of regal um, aspect and the sort of above it all sort of character Mm -hmm. that I just think is just perfect and it's amazing. And it's never, it never seems to sort of flounder. So I, I just love reading this book and I, especially I've said this before, I just love those bits where in the midst of everything going on, so if you read the main X-Men book this week, there's a lot of heavy stuff that's just happening there. So I love when we get to see books that are sort of similar or in the universe or in that same space that remind you that there is still humor um, even amongst those big, you know, life and death stories that, you know, they're telling. And when they get to sort of tell those stories, I I really just sort of connect to those the most. But I I really just like this book. I like the, I don't know. I also like the fact that you get Storm, Jean, and uh, and, uh, that girl that Joey likes. Um, (laughs) No, Emma. (laughs) I couldn't remember her name. Uh, Emma Frost sitting around like girlfriends, which is just funny to me. Like I would watch that series all day long as well just the three of them i i don't know i just i like the way these characters are, are, are played i've never read any of the other giant size books so i didn't have the backstory but I really this. <laughs>
1: yeah that's what i was gonna say i was like at this point when giant size storm came out i was like what the hell is happening in this story <laughs> like this like this like techno virus thing was like Six giant size issues ago, yeah, I, I don't like remember. Like it's just madness. I I cannot keep any of this straight at this point. But to Aaron's point, I love Storm and I love seeing her in featured in this book. Russell Dodderman nails it. It mm. is a, a gorgeous, gorgeous book. Uh, and, and then at one point they go to the world with Phantom X. And I'm like, this is the last place I want to go if I want to understand what's happening in this book. <laughs> um, but, hey, the book lands Storm does some really badass stuff. and, you know, she 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 says all the things that that you talked about in in your in your lightning round. And you're reminded that, like a character like Storm, like i I can never get enough of her. like mm-hmm. i I wish that that. I wish that she, her voice was heard more often in in the mm-hmm. X Men books. Um, it, it's actually few and far between that she gets like a feature like this. So I'm I'm glad that they gave her a giant size um, issue in in this way. Um, and yeah, I mean I, I will see how it goes. You know, Aaron, you mentioned X Men Twelve, another book that I was just like, what the hell? Oh god, like what the <laughs> hell is this? And then and then we got we got. X of swords starting. And I'm like, I, what the hell is happening? John emailed me and he was like, Hey, I'm thinking of doing like X of swords every week. I am going to try and like, you know, stick, stick with the whole the crossover. And I, I want to write about it. And I was like, power to you, man. Like, <laughs> thank you. Because I, I think hopefully with his clarity, his sense of clarity, we'll, I'll be able to make sense of it. But, uh, but, um, there's just a lot of balls in the air. A lot of balls in the air with that X-Men, which I'm excited about. And it's really awesome. Um, You know, and and I don't think, I don't think we would have gotten something like a giant size X-Men storm. If they weren't juggling all of these crazy storylines and, and having just their way, the whole X-Men squad, all the creators that are working on it, if they weren't just having their way with that corner of the universe, like, I don't think we would be getting features for, for these characters that like we haven't seen in years. Um, especially in in books like New Mutants or Hellions or things like that. Um, So I'm having the time of my life. I can't tell you if I am understanding any of these storylines, but I'm having the time of my life reading all of these mutants.
3: Oh my God. X-Men 12 X-Men is just doing a lot right now. it's just so much. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, I need to have my Google machine next to me so that I can figure out what it is. This is referring to. I don't, was this a past story? I don't know, but It's beautiful to look at and the the details of the world that it's building is incredible and I just keep thinking back to Hickman's whiteboard and all these things that he must be... (laughs) Well, and they te- they they tease you in with like that rock Slide stuff, and you're like, "Oh, rock Slide. I know
1: rockslide! Like he's been in like New X Men and Young X Men and blah blah blah." Like I've recognized the character, and then they give you that for like three pages, and then they're like, "Also, mm-hmm. Apocalypse is my grandfather, and here's what I'm talking about from three thousand years ago." And you're like, "How did I get here? Like, what happened?"
3: Exactly. At first, they were playing a little game of a Newton chess. I don't know what they were doing, but yeah. they were sitting there playing what some happened? board game, and the next thing you know, it's a millennia earlier, and we're trying to figure out. How Apocalypse has kids.
1: Yeah. Madness. Madness. X of Swords, though. Get hyped. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you all in for that? Why not? Uh, it starts this week, right? X of Swords, creation
1: of destiny, something or other, blah, 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 <laughs> is this week. Yes. And then it's like 49 chapters in a row. So get ready.
2: And just no, in time not. for the King in Black, the Venom of- event that's coming.
1: No, Steve, it's like, it's like 40 chapters long. Yeah. Or it might be like nineteen, but that's still crazy. And <laughs> it's a big uh,
0: difference, dude. Is
3: <laughs> <laughs> it like forty or nineteen?
0: Somewhere yeah. in that range. Don't like, don't I'm, don't I'm, screw I'm, me around because these five dollar books are killing me. I uh, no, it's gonna it's gonna
1: it's your classic X ex- crossover, man. Welcome to the welcome to my corner of the universe. Okay, mm-hmm. so like here's what happens every X-Men book is going to be another chapter in the crossover. So even though it's like 27 chapters long, it's going to be done in three weeks (laughs) because it'll be like, you know, X-Men chapter one, new mutants, chapter two, Hellions, chapter three, Marauders, chapter four. And then you're like, wow, I just read four chapters of this crossover in one week. That like, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be awesome.
3: So it's funny that you said before about having to Wikipedia certain things. I've made a very specific point because I'm, I'm notorious for when I'm going through books or sort of stopping dead and like going back and Wikipedia, a, a particular character and understanding a little bit about the history. There's just too much of that in the X-Men because I, about, I'd say about 80% of these characters, I don't know who they are, or at least I don't have history with them. I might know who they are by name, but I don't have history with them. And if I spent time wikipedia every character, it would take me like four hours to read like one book. Yeah. So I've made a point of just saying, I've made a conscious point at one point of saying, you know what, I'm going to see if this is literally a, a story that I can read without having to study up. So I've been making myself do that. I, at one point, I literally had my iPad in my hand. I'm like, let me look up. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to push through and see if it makes sense. Because you have to have that opportunity for your readers to come on. You can't force them to go back through... You know, fifty years of a backstory to figure out who someone is.
1: Or yeah, Ken just come Ken. on the podcast and ask, and I'll, I'll, I'll I <laughs> might oh, know yeah. something. So, Steve, to confirm, X of Swords was fifteen issues. Now it's twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> halfway, halfway, halfway to forty. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh boy! Is, you know, it's bad, funny
0: so. that this thing is starting because. I'll be, I'll be dead honest with you. Like, I've been kind of pulling away from some of the X books. I've dropped a few of them in the last couple weeks. And now they're starting this event and it's pulling me right back in.
1: You know, I, I got to say, I've been reading most of the X-Men books. I could not tell you what X of Swords is about oh, other than other than there's been a couple of swords. <laughs> like Well, there's Cable of a sudden- Sword. There's cable sword. All of a sudden, in X Force. They were like, "We have a Cerebro sword." And I was like, "What the what? hell?" Yeah. And an ex- yeah. And then an Excalibur. Um, yep. Obviously, Betsy's got her sword over there. Uh, Mikhail rasputin has got a sword. Also, Mikhail Resputin's back. G- get crazed about that. Yikes. Um, uh, and I'm guessing there's a, there's a, uh, 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 there's just swords. I'm assuming there's ten. I swords. was going to say, is it ten swords. of swords, oh, oh, it's it's swords again? Ten. We're back I was,
3: to that yeah. again.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is ten of swords. Yeah,
3: it is ten of swords, but there was an issue. Um, I think it was a, the main X Men book uh, several months ago, didn't they? Sort of have that little walk, or was it one of those free books that they had a sort of little walkthrough of all the different swords? Yeah, it, yeah, it was. Uh,
1: it was free comic book day X Men.
3: Yeah, they and they, they
1: presented of, it as tarot cards, and you were like, "What the hell?"
3: Yeah, mm. and that's kind of cool. I'm still like, "What the hell?"
1: Yeah.
3: Oof. Oof, 24 issues. Whee! 24
0: issues. You're going to read them anyway. Cha-ching. <laughs> <laughs> money, money, money. All right. All right, Joey. Yeah. Uh, you haven't done your lightning run yet, have you? No, I have
1: not. <sighs> <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, whenever you're ready, sir.
1: Okay, so let me just do some some quick things that I was reading uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Image put out a complete collection of Royal City from Jeff Lemire, which you know we we read off and on, especially when it started. Uh, do you remember a time on the podcast when like everything we talked about was Jeff Lemire? It feels <laughs> yep. like forever ago. And reading Royal City, I was like, I was reminded of those times, and I was reminded why Lemire has been such a mainstay for such a long time. Um, So Royal city, the collection is 14 issues long. It's about the, this family in Royal city, uh, the Pike family haunted by um, the death of the youngest child in the family years ago. Uh, And you're basically kind of like watching this family fall apart and come back together as they, as they deal with that Uh, in classic Lemire fashion. It is, devastating, uh, emotionally, um, and scratchy and beautiful, uh, in, in its, in its aesthetic as well. Um, it's, it's a book that I fell away from after reading the first, maybe arc. And it was a a real joy to go back and, and kind of read all 14 issues in, 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 a single collection, um, really beautiful stuff. And, uh, it got me kind of like reminiscing about, You know, uh, Lemire as a writer, and and some of the things that I I read uh, from his pen. Um, I also read Stillwater Number One from Chip Zdarsky and Ramon Perez. Uh, This is, I mean, the premise is is it's like rural horror. This dude, you know, finds himself in a town, looks up at a building, sees two kids fooling around on the top of the building. One kid falls off the top of the building, splat on the street. Gets up and walks it off, and the guy's like what the hell is going on here? Um, so it, it's, it's really a, a really interesting setup. Really cool. Um, I I picked it up because first of all, Ramon Perez, I, I'm a big fan of the artwork going back to Hawkeye and Jane, Dang. another novel adaptation that we talked about a while ago. Uh, but then Chip Zdarsky too, like, Chip Zdarsky is someone who, if you had asked us about Chip Zdarsky five years ago, we would have been like the sex criminals guy. And now he's writing literally everything like <laughs> that you could think of across every genre. So, um, yeah, that Chips Zdarsky is having quite the run over the last couple of years. And Stillwater seems to be another addition, uh, to his wide range of stories. Um, also read batman number 99 crazy that it's batman number 99 like it was it was like joker war and i was like yeah give me some more joker war stuff is bananas and i was reading it and then i was like wait a minute issue 100 is next week like well how did we get here and of of course now it makes sense joker war is going to end 100 blah 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 i will say this about batman number 99 i don't think a page goes by in this book where it's not editor's note want to see what happens to this character <laughs> check out this issue blah 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 and like for the most part tynan's run hasn't really been doing that nor has joker war which like there's this huge all-encompassing event really been doing that as well uh doing that either and yet here i am in 99 and it's like go read nightwing go read batgirl go read detective and i'm like no i don't want to i want to read batman like how did i get here anyway it was cool i'm excited for issue number 100 uh Hellions number four, I also read, I mentioned that as well uh, a couple minutes ago. Zeb Wells, Steven Segovia. Uh, this book is also insanity. It's like sinisters, like, you know, ne'er do wells coming together. The last few issues, they've been like fighting, nasty, like half zombified clones mm-hmm. of the old marauders from like, you know, way back when Mutant Massacre times. Um, but the real kind of like thrust of these first few issues has been uh Maddie Pryor, right? Madeline Pryor's been back and uh whole history there talking about googling characters. Um there's been some horrifying stuff with Havoc and Maddie in these issues. But anyway, uh I really like this issue and I, I really like this book. Um you're starting to see the cracks forming in like the Krakoan uh way of life, right? Maddie Pryor the, she has this beautiful line in this issue where she's like, I did this because I wanted everyone to see that I was a real girl. Um, and in, and in issue three, there's this beautiful sequence where like she, go, she talks about like the life that she led before, you know, everything went awry. And uh, what complicates that is that she's a clone of Jean and in new Crack kind of philosophy and lifestyle and ideology, you can't have clones because you have resurrections and it complicates things. So it's just a really interesting question. And one that is asked like Maddie and Jean, like that whole thing has always been complicated and always at the core of any story that like evokes those characters. But through this new lens it takes on a new weight and uh, I'm really enjoying it uh, and and this book is finally for me like occupying a different space than like X-force uh, whereas like when they pitched it I was like isn't this just X-force but now it's it's definitely filling a different space It's horrifying. there are things in this book that are just like like gross and and terrifying and uh, sinister is I love the sinister character so much fun uh, great Scott and Alex moments in here too. Uh, last book I'll talk about it was the big release from last week, which was Iron Man number one, uh, the relaunch uh, after Empire. Chris Cantwell and kafu on this book. Cantwell we know from She Could Fly. He's also done some Doctor Doom, and he's oh, wow. going to co he's going to co show run uh, Paper Girls uh, once that that show gets off the ground. kafu's um, artwork is also really awesome. It reminds me of Addy Granov's work, who did like Extremists and the Darth Vader covers. So that kind of like kind of digital painterly kind of style. Um, very hard lines. I, I, like it a lot and it's, it's, so I, I haven't read a lot of Iron Man. I read, um, I read extremists. I read when, when Ellis was doing his stuff way, way back when. Um, and I read, uh, fractions, invincible Iron Man run, but, uh, you know, because of Jon Favreau using Adi Granov's like artwork for the concept art for the movies. Like that's the style that I associate with Iron Man. So Cafu's style, like I'm like, Oh yeah, this is an Iron Man book. It's what it should look like. Um, So this is like back to basics. So interestingly, Marvel universe, uh, the app just kind of like released all of the Iron Man 2020, like, Event crossover, whatever that they've been doing for the last year, which is like Arno Stark takes over as Iron Man after Tony Stark reveals he's a digital AI creation. And the whole book is like AI rebellion versus it's, it's insanity. And part of what Cantwell tries to do with Iron Man, he says it in the book. Like Tony says it in the book. He's like, yeah, we've been doing a lot of like high concept tech stuff with like AI and like hard light and, you know, extremists and blah, blah, blah. And I think what Iron Man number one is like, he's like back to basics. Like he's like, he's got a he's got a suit of armor and a briefcase. And he's like, this is me now. He teams up with Patsy Walker, uh, which uh, proves to be a ton of fun. And Patsy Walker's role in Iron Man one is basically every time she says something, it's like. Tony, you are an egotistical maniac and everything you do is rooted in your ego. Even this back to basics thing is about your ego. And it's like, I love that. I love that Patsy's job is just to like call Tony out on his shit every single panel. Um, It's a a really engaging first issue. A little dark, like literally, like the color palette is a little dark. Uh, But Tony like screws up tons of times. Like he's punching around. uh, What's his name? Oh my God, I'm forgetting the bad guy's name. Uh, like Zarnax, like one of those like axe ones, like okay. uh, uh, uh car, car, carjack, not carjacks, carjacks,
0: Zarnax, carjacks,
2: no, not Kojax. something like Korvax, Korvax, Corvac uh, Michael Corvac from the Korvax saga, half robot yes. at the bottom, guy in the top.
1: Oh, never mind. I just spoiled the end of Iron Man by saying Korvax. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, <Michael laughs> finally, Happy yeah. Sorry, sorry, listeners, my bad. Uh-huh. I love it. <laughs> Darn it. It's arcade Um, all over again. God damn it. Uh, Anyway, yes, Michael Korbeck. But anyway, uh, and he keeps screwing up. Like he punches a guy into a satellite and Chris Cantwell has this like, like conceit throughout the issue of like Tony Stark's Twitter page. And it'll be like Tony Stark will say like, yeah, man, took out that bad guy today. And everyone else is like, yeah, you also took out my ca- cable. Like I can't watch TV nice. for a week. My Wi-Fi is down. And he's like, by the end of the issue, he like shuts down his Twitter feed because people just keep canceling him because he keeps screwing up. Um, it's fun. I really enjoyed it. I didn't read any of Dan Slott's Iron Man run. Uh, now that I'm reading Iron Man 2020 and all the AI stuff, I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I'll be interested in that. But uh, it feels like uh, kind of back to basics, return to form for the character. And I'll be interested to see uh, how long that lasts and and where it goes. Um, But it's cool. It's cool to see Tony back. It's cool to see that we're not dealing with like crazy, like, you know, tech sci-fi stuff. And uh, we'll see where it goes from here. And that was my week of comics.
2: Does he interact with Doreen on his Twitter page the way they used to in her book? I, I let me check. Let me check. I feel like I feel like maybe. Yeah, because they used to always check in with each other, and it was always hilarious. So I'm I'm sure if you're going to do it. You might as well go full bore. Yeah.
3: So so hellions.
2: Hellions.
3: <laughs> a, no. I I am loving this book. I really am. First of all, the art is is crazy pants. I love it. I'm really trying to figure out why there's so much underboob, though. Because
1: it's Madeline Pryor. It's like it's the right. worst cost. It's one of the worst costumes in all of Comic Dumb. Oh, she's I in costume, so.
2: no less. Okay, so oh, she's got goblin the goblin queen thing.
1: She's got the goblin okay. queen like like top shirt. Yeah, she like is, shoulders. Like if you took a shirt and you just wore the shoulders, that's what she's wearing. A shrug, they used to call
2: it.
3: <laughs> she is wearing two straps of duct tape, and that is pretty much it. Um, but no, I, you know what? It's interesting. I, again, I don't have all the back, the backstory for this. So I, I was sort of going, I have some of this. So I was sort of going in again, just saying, is this something I'm going to be able to figure out? There is that tension between Havoc and Scott and Madeline and everything that's being said or, and not said in there. That's what I kept coming back for. I'm like, I got to figure out what's going on there you know what what's what's that backstory i mean I, I have the high level of the backstory but um i really would have preferred that they explore that a little bit more clearly i don't i don't i don't know if they will see i'm not going to spoil anything um but <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if they will but um i i, I agree exactly what you said. i, I think i mentioned it a couple weeks ago that i was trying to figure out myself what What is the difference between Hellions and X-Force? What, you know, they both seem to be these, you know, sort of wet works teams. But this is not a team. This really is not a team. And this this is not a team of people who are going to, you know, for the most part, who are going to lay down their life and take a bullet for you. This is a team of people who all have a, who all have different objectives that in this instance happen to align and are pretty much just going to do what they have to do and and whatever is going to be the outcome is going to be the outcome as long as it's the mission because that's what kind of what their their thing is the mission. So I, I don't I'm excited to see where this goes to be honest with you. This particular story was one that I don't even know if it leads it lends itself I don't even know what the next story would be. I don't, there's I didn't feel like there was any threads from this that were left. Yeah. Not wrapped up to give you any the hints. The next to what's story is Ten of Swords. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. But yeah, I, I I really have been enjoying this. I'll be honest with you. I think at some points, I might enjoy this even more than X Force. X Force is
1: a X Force is a tricky is a is a tricky book. Yeah. Uh, there's some stuff in there that I'm just like I don't know.
3: I don't know if this is is kosher. There's some I, stuff in there. Why is Colossus wearing thigh-high boots to farm?
2: Well, there's <laughs> hey, a lot of we poop. Still have, there's a lot of poop he's got to yeah. walk through.
1: We and still I have
3: mean, no answers as to
1: why some of these characters are wearing their like, old school costumes. There are a lot of questions still.
3: I do have one gripe that I'm just going to continue to say. It doesn't make sense that Colossus was nowhere to be found during Kitty's pu- funeral. Yeah. Nowhere. Oh
1: uh, yeah, well yeah. Calling uh, a man. Um, did, you, did you all? You all talked about Marauders last week, right?
0: Uh, uh, I don't know if we talked about it. Well. I don't think Kitty's,
1: so. Kitty's return. So I will say this about Marauders: Kitty's return. I love that issue. I did not like that Kitty was drawn. Kate was drawn. She looked so young in the in the artwork for, in that issue. And I was like, I, she's – what? I don't – anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. First of all, the character in Iron Man, his name was Terax. And I that, confused that with Korvac. And also, it's not a spoiler. I mean, it is a spoiler. But in the solicit for Iron Man number two, it's like Korvac Returns. So it okay. wasn't that big of a spoiler. So- no, no,
0: no. <laughs> no. No, no. Is this Terax the, the Tamer? The, 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 it's already the, done. You've already joined the club. I've already ordered your jacket. You're you're, you're done. Joey, we? the Tamer? The rock guy?
2: Yeah, the big, like, big gray dude. Yeah, yeah, old FF villain. Former Herald of Galactus.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tony does not interact with Squirrel Girl on his Twitter feed. Yeah, I say. It's not that kind of book. It's very serious and brooding, oh, no, no. which Patsy Walker calls him out on. He's like, you understand that this man quest you're on is just another part of your ego, Tony. And Tony's <laughs> like, <"Barrr." laughs>
0: Shouldn't mess oh, with Patsy. Amazing. Joey, did you happen to see the the shade from uh, Tim Seeley about Stillwater? No, I didn't. Oh, uh, he... He ba- I'm, I'm trying to find it. I'm scrolling back in his feed, but I don't know if I'm going to find it, but he basically was like, you know, Hey, I created a series that was about a, t- a small town in the middle of nowhere where nobody dies. Remember that? And he posted a, a thing to uh, revival. Yeah. So, well, and revival. Oh, I love that book series about a small Midwestern town where nobody dies. Question mark. Fun times. All four deluxe editions available now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I also loved revival. The rural horror of revival yeah. was one of my favorite things. So now that still both out, both and are great.
0: And a lot of people have, th- have done that premise. So it's okay.
1: Yeah. But like, again, the thing that just like, and I, I, at this point I should be over it, but like every time Zdarsky's name is on a book, I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> have, like, like when it was like Zdarsky says criminals, I was like, okay. And then it was like Zdarsky Howard the Duck. And I was like, that makes sense. And then it was like Zdarsky Daredevil. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and now here we are with Zdarsky rural Horror Stillwater. And I was like, yeah, man. what is what is
0: happening? He's a man here? about town. He did that stuff for uh, Comixology Originals. Yep. But, yep. Uh, oh, man. Why can't I remember the name of that? I read it. The
1: one with the car, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. The hell. Uh,
0: oh, God. Uh.
1: Drift. Uh, after, after Lift.
0: Yeah, After Lift. I did it. I did it. I didn't even have to look it up. There you go. Wikipedia my ass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was a good week of comics, and I look forward to continuing
0: uh, reading a lot of these series. Good Joke stuff. You. you guys got me buying Hellions again, so screw the Shall both we? of
3: you. What's up? Did you read Empire uh, Aftermath? Avengers 1?
1: No. I. Forgot. You know, I forgot to get it. I'm going to get it right now.
3: <laughs> uh, okay i won't talk about it right, we'll just
1: pause this wait is it worth it
3: all right yeah get it okay no. i'm getting it right mm. now Aaron,
0: <laughs> costing me money
1: <laughs> i read the fantastic four issue that y'all talked about last week with uh nick fury as the uh the the fake watcher and then the and then the you know whatever i like that issue a lot
2: yes it was very good
3: yeah, that's a two-spoiler for one. There you go. There, Joey, we didn't mention yeah. who that was at the end of the book last week. <laughs>
2: Coming out No, Nick
1: Fury, Nick Fury became the, the fake watcher back in Original, Original Sin, Sin, which y'all talked about. I didn't we- say what happened at the end of Fantastic Four. <laughs> okay.
0: Let's move on to our open discussion <laughs> book. Bob, why don't you take it away for Detective Comics number 1027?
2: One, yes, it is. Detective Comics number 1027, which is basically by everyone. It's an epic one hundred and forty-four page celebration of the thousand issues since Batman's debut in Detective Comics number twenty seven back in March of nineteen thirty nine. Oh. And just like every one of those thousand and commensurate number of Batman issues, it features contributions from tons of artists and writers. And just like those issues, none from Bob Kane. No, I, that's that's snarky even for me. I shouldn't say that. Bob Kane did come up with the idea along with like fourteen other people. But A ton of really great, cool stories here that highlight many facets of the Batman persona, his detective skills, work ethic, determination, certainly. But you also get to see behind the cowl into Bruce Wayne and his extended family. So what were highlights for you, Steve?
0: Ah, funny you should ask, because I actually listed them. (laughs) Okay. I'll say this. Uh, I really, really enjoyed three of the stories. So my three favorites was a uh, story from Matt Fraction, Chip Zdarsky and Aditya Bidikar called many happy returns. Mm -hmm. And so this was essentially Joker doesn't know when Batman's birthday is. So he keeps executing plots once a month to hopefully catch Batman on his big day. And we, when he go, when Batman goes almost an entire month without uh, an attempt from the Joker to give him a present, it basically drives Batman bonkers, right? Um, it is Sex Criminals team doing Batman in this way that both celebrates the character and hardcore makes fun of some of his biggest tropes. And, oh my god, I there's a panel in this comic where Batman is just screaming, give me my birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was rolling. It was so good. I really, really enjoyed the story called Rookie, yeah, which is yes. uh, Greg Bucca, yeah. Eduardo Riso, and Tom Napolitano. This was probably my favorite uh, in the book. Yeah, mine too. Basically, uh, rookie cop adjusting to life as an officer of the GCPD. G- 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 uh, this was, in my my mind a not so sly middle finger to corrupt officers across the globe and uh i'd say that it's timely but this stuff has been going on forever so there you go and uh of course of course there's a story from kelly sue DeConnick, john romita jr klaus jansen and arif uh prianto called four and it's basically uh bruce puts one over on Mr. Steel, some corporate ass hat who thinks that he rules Gotham with an iron grip. Uh, Just a very clever short story showing you just how clever Bruce can be. uh, Even when he's not donning the cape and cowl. I, I I really didn't know where that one was going for a little bit and I, and I won't lie. There was a lot of hype because it's Kelly Sue. And so I was like, finally got to that part of the book and I was like, all right, I'm ready. Cracking my knuckles. You know, put some eye drops in. Let's go. And didn't really know where I was going, but it landed really strong for me. And uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, most of the other stories, I some of them I, I enjoyed okay. Others, there were at least two that I, I flat out didn't like at all. And, um, you know, it's I'm not a big anthology person or, or mixed bag comic person. Um, that's just not my style. So overall, though. Very, very, uh very cool way to celebrate Batman on his birthday of sorts. Yes. So that's Aaron, big long time. Aaron, how about you?
3: I actually ran out of time. I didn't get an opportunity to read this book. So I don't have anything to contribute.
2: Yes, you always do. Don't say that.
3: But I won't spoil it.
2: <gasps> hey. hey. All righty, Joey. I uh, <laughs> love
3: it.
1: Go ahead. Spoil uh, some Aaron, stuff. Aaron, there's – Aaron, there's a Jamal Campbell
3: pinup in here yes. that is spectacular. All right, I'm buying it now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and it it will make you. If any of you out there don't already do this, it will make you ship Nightwing and and Batman all the more. The way that Campbell illustrates them looking into each other's eyes, I was like, <laughs> I was like, there's an there's a palpable energy here. Night but anyway. I agree with you about uh, Ruka and Riz- and Rizzo's story. Uh, I loved Gotham Central uh, way back when mm-hmm. Ruka and Brubaker were doing it. So, this this felt like a, a nice kind of return for Rucka to that style of storytelling.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh,
1: Fraction and Zdarsky's story was crazy, too. And, like, again, I had just read Zdarsky's Stillwater, and then I was like, this artwork looks so familiar. Where have <laughs> I seen this before? And then I was like, God damn it, Zdarsky again. <laughs> uh yeah god damn it zadarsky is my new like bennett uh uh-uh, or like whitley um but anyway uh the thing about these i also really love tom king and walt simon yeah i love that one too um that was an Which awesome one was story like the one yeah legacy the one where like dr phosphorescence
0: is like i killed you oh, bad man yeah, yeah, yeah that one was cool too um, i forgot to list that one
1: i wonder if it's gonna play at all into bat Batman bat cat woman yes that cat which is supposed to be about like their future together yep. starting but, uh, like, yeah starting in december yeah way back or way way forward anyway i really like that story too um the thing about these anthology series i was thinking about this as, as you were talking steve like anthology series only work for a handful of characters um the X-Men, I've read so many X-Men anthology books. We're like – but the thing about that is like there's so many different characters you can do with that. So like you pick up an a, a X-Men anthology series and you would get like four different stories with four different characters. I think the only characters like over at Marvel that you could do like an anthology like solo book with is like Wolverine, obviously, blah. Um, Cap maybe, you know? Um
2: Spidey, I, Spidey maybe I,
1: Spidey Spidey I think as well it's hard but over at at DC like Batman's had a ton of these Superman I I talked about a few of them already this <laughs> year uh because they've just been really good so I I don't know I've just been thinking over the last few weeks about like the DC kind of like core characters and how like the storytelling approach is just different but Anyway, the, the thing about these anthology books that, like, always are the most frustrating but also exciting for me is like, you get writers and artists on the character that you're like, oh, I just want them to write Batman or draw Batman all the time, you know? So I was like, I want a Riley Rosmo Batman book, like, all the time. It's so weird and I love it. Like, I read that, I read Riley Rosmo's uh, and Steve Orlando's Martian Manhunter a few months ago, and I was like, this book is so weird to look at. I love it, I want that. Um, and same thing with Emanuela Lupicino who, who does, uh, I think Marv Wolfman's story, which I was like, damn, Marv Wolfman's writing a story for this is crazy. Um, but Emanuela Lupicino's artwork, I was like, Oh, this is, I could read a Batman book that looks like this. Right. Like, so that's another thing about, uh, about these anthology books that I, I always like is so exciting. Cause I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen this artist or I haven't, I haven't read this voice on this character. I almost wish that, you know, we had these springboarding off into some actual stories uh, as well. Um, It's cool. It's a really cool kind of celebration book. 144 pages was crazy to get through. The one story that like, I I will admit, I kind of like skimmed through because I just couldn't keep up was Mm. the Grant Morrison one. I was like, I can't, I was like, I can't do this right now. Yeah. It's like, this is a lot. Um, And I will say like the opening story, I thought it was actually kind of a weak opener, where it kind of takes you through the rogues gallery. Uh, there was something about the writing or, or or of it that I was just like, oh, I don't know. But yeah, I, I thought it, I thought it picked up from there.
0: The first um, two, the first two stories didn't really do much for me. I didn't care for the Bendis one either. The bat the ba- uh, family yeah, investigation. The
1: yeah. the, baddest, the like the Bat family stories are always like it's fun to see everybody. I yeah, love like Red that was Hood. The ba- that's
0: where it ended for me, though. Yeah.
1: Red Hood was like paranoid. He was like, We're in the kill box. Someone's staring at us right now. And I was like, that's hilarious. Um but anyway, yeah, it was a fun issue. Uh and again, happy birthday, Batman, I guess.
2: Yeah. You, you guys hit all my highlights, uh, certainly the Rucka Fraction, Kelly Sue, Tom King, it was Walt Simonson. You talk about artists not on a on a character. I haven't seen all that many drawings of Walt doing Batman. Look really good. That opening, it's more like a set of pinups than it is a yeah, story. very much. And that's okay, it, you know, but that could have been the finale almost. Mm. Actually, speaking of the finale, we have two to-be-continued stories to end this. One, yeah. the, the uh, Mariko Tamaki continues into some black casebook story. And the other is a lead-in to Generations Fractured, Shattered, whatever they're doing next. It's one of those 5G stories that didn't happen. So you get to see the Batman of Detective 27 recruited by Booster Gold, and Commandy and okay, sure, I'm in. You get to see some of all that work that people did anyway. But, Hmm. you know, this is the size of a trade paperback. So for $10, it really wasn't as bad as some of the other ones yeah yeah and that, that's, that's come from someone who when I was a kid, the 80 page giants, the the annuals were a quarter. Awesome. <laughs> they were a quarter. God. But this back is a my day back in the day, but th- this is a lovely presentation you get you get a substantial book for your 10 bucks. So mm-hmm. thumbs, thumbs mostly up, I'm thinking, right?
0: Yeah, sure yeah. Yeah, there are definitely some standouts in here. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Aaron, you were going to say until I rudely interrupted.
3: Oh, no, I was going to say I got it. I, and I actually did some – I didn't get a chance to read it, but it was okay. interesting because I had seen a couple of stories about it. And it was interesting that you guys all – I think it was I, – I think I heard read a couple other articles about people who didn't like the – there were certain stories that universally I saw that people didn't really cling to. So it's interesting that you guys are – Saying that. So basically, as I go through, I'm saying I'm not going to read those stories right away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we actually leave this book, I did write down a couple of questions that I have for the group. Okay. Ready? All right. Uh, Which cover did you get, Bob? Andy Kubert. Okay. Which is Uh, Batman
2: with a big bat flying straight at him.
0: All right. Uh, Joey, which one did you get? Digital. I don't have a comic shop, bro. Oh, my (laughs) God.
3: I got the one
2: with Batwoman on the front. Oh. All right.
3: It looks like Um, the digital one is the one that Bob talked about.
0: Yeah, I think that's the A cover. Yeah. So one thing that 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 first story, like you said, Bob, it's kind of like a pinup story. Does Batman have the best villains gallery? This side this uh, side of Dick Tracy,
2: maybe, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, uh, I I think uh, um Spider Man Spider Man would be my next.
0: I think Batman's got one over on Spider Man.
1: I don't know, man. Batman for me, it's like everybody's crazy. They're all in Arkham. Like yeah, it's but like, all uh, so much yeah. fun. Yeah, totally. But come on, you got the octopus guy, you got the lizard guy, octopus you got the, guy. the octopus Kingpin guy, guy,
2: Kingpin electric Punisher, guy, Punisher, electric guy, lizard guy, the freaking Mega Man villains. Stilt Man.
1: Oh, Stilt Man, the frog guy, the whole scorpion dude. Stilt. There's a whole like gang of like snakes hanging out. <laughs> it's crazy.
0: <Huh? laughs>
2: All right. Yeah, Batman's way up there. There's no question about that. It is pretty top heavy to the, the really big ones. Yeah. Uh last great one raise. Right. Hmm.
0: Uh Court of Owls count, maybe. Uh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean I'm sure that they're in there. I don't know that I, I don't know that I would personally when I think of Batman, I, I have to be honest, I don't think of court of owls okay. uh remotely. That-
3: but that seems to be the the one thing from at least from um, Scott Snyder's Batman that yeah. keeps making its way into every representation of Batman in other mediums. Somewhere. It's cool.
0: There's- it's it's definitely an awesome concept. I'm glad that he's introduced it to you know to the universe. Um, I just I just don't think of it when I think of Batman villains. I don't say like my mind never goes talent, for example. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What about the designer? Anybody? <laughs> he's not yeah. in there
0: either
2: <laughs> here's a here's a corollary to your question steve let's let's say that we will agree that batman has if not the greatest it's a tie greatest rogues gallery in comics history how come then we get so many gosh darn joker stories and not enough that you use some of those other ones at the same sort of level
3: oops because See?
0: yeah yeah I, I cannot joker. agree more yeah Uh, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. Send us an email, let us know. Yeah, your opinion (laughs) on this. Uh, If who you like in the bad verse. Um, I got one more and then we'll move on to news super, super quick. But, uh, this is a question for people that are reading, I guess for Aaron and, and for, for Joey in Batman proper in Titans Batman right now, where are Damien and commissioner Gordon? (laughs) I've not seen them. Unless I've missed S- them,
1: something's up with Gordon. I don't remember what specifically. I don't. I'm reading Batgirl, so I don't know. Bullock is the commissioner right now in Batman. What?
0: Yeah. I just don't remember, and I've been reading Batman. Like I don't remember what happened to take him out of the out of the picture.
1: Yeah, me neither. Damien is also MIA, and people were like, e- "I love this." Like someone tweeted out, like. Damien is the clown killer, and Tynan like like just goes nope. and he was like nope, because <laughs> uh, Damien's also missing. I'll look up Gordon right now and figure out where he's at.
0: All right, sounds good. Sate my curiosity.
3: Okay, isn't, isn't Damien over in Teen Titans somewhere? Is, is he? Because uh, isn't he leading the, teen, the new Teen Titans? I have no idea. I think so.
2: <laughs> All right. If not, he should be.
3: No, I'm mm-hmm. actually. am fairly certain he is. Yeah, I'm. I'm 100% certain he's leading New Teen Titans, except for when he was snatched up into Legion of Superheroes into the future for a little bit of time. But oh, he, got, he got
0: involved in all that
3: just for a little bit.
0: All right, Are we ready to move on to news?
2: News is this. This must be a Sunday news because a very big newspaper.
0: Yep breaking, well not breaking news really this, some of the stuff is is now old because every week is a thousand years long JP Ahonen, friend of the show birthday buddy of mine uh, I was born nine minutes before him on the same day in different parts of the world there you go. Uh, his Beelzebub's series first it was a twinkle in JP's eye and then it became a popular webcomic and then it became a virtual band that you can actually listen to that i have vinyls of in my collection death metal pretty awesome pretty epic and now belzebubs is getting an animated series congrats how seriously like congratulations how crazy is that i was so excited by this news And I was so flustered when I was writing about it for Joe Blow that I took about an hour and a half on the article and I got in trouble. (laughs) So my boss was like, dude, where are you? And I was like, oh, I'm trying to get a quote. And, uh, and I did, I, I, I messaged, uh, JP through Twitter and I was like, oh my God, what's going on. You got to tell me everything. So anyway, he told me a bunch of stuff, but, um, at the end of the day, he says this, he goes, uh, but to answer your question. Uh, The series is definitely a go, and we have a good situation with funding, as the Finnish national broadcaster, YLE, is bringing in a big chunk of the budget. We're already rolling forward, and I'm writing scripts as we speak. What we're currently looking for is 25% gap funding, and of course would want to see this go as global as possible right from the start, since the majority of our fans come from the U.S. and Canada South America, and Europe. Uh, Finland is approximately the sixth if you look at the top ten countries from the social media stats. So yeah, so basically Modern Family meets the Addams Family meets uh, Death Metal. I don't know. It is an absolutely hilarious, hilarious comic. You should check it out. Uh, Bells and Bubs is all over Twitter and Instagram and definitely follow J.P. Onan for uh regular not semi-regular updates to the comic he has been extraordinarily busy with kids and putting all this stuff together and trying to recoup from the canceled tour for uh the bells Bubs band and everything but it looks like things are starting to turn around for him and things are coming up millhouse and we are very very excited for jp and i i personally cannot wait to see what they end up doing with this i remember when jp was messaging me and asking for english translations for the comic those were the days i know my name's in the first couple of volumes and everything my quotes on the back it's very nice very nice jp's jp's good company he's a good person let's move on deadline reports jonathan majors joins marvel cinematic universe lands major role in next ant-man movie so, uh, Jonathan Majors, Lovecraft Country. Uh, if you if if you nasty, I have not watched it, but Joey has and raved about it before we started recording, and slightly he spoiled it.
2: it. <laughs> Ooh! Wow. Uh, okay! Wow, <laughs> wow! Wow! Wow!
0: So Jonathan Majors is uh, slated to join Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly for the third ant-man movie which promises to be the biggest ant-man movie ever and it looks as if jonathan majors is going to be playing kang the conqueror madness yeah next big right there
1: that's a big bet yeah so ant-man all of a sudden is the most important franchise in the mcu
2: uh, well, actually, because the- bringing in Kang and we, we're talking now about all the quantum realm stuff, this could be the mm-hmm. entryway to the Fantastic Four and the X Men and everybody yeah. else.
1: Well, the, I think the core, the core kind of jumping off point that people are assuming is Young Avengers, because uh, yep. Kang and Iron Lad mm-hmm. spoiling mm-hmm. that story from two thousand and four or whatever. Um, there's there's the connection there. Uh, of course, once the announcement was made, everyone was like, Kang is supposed to be Richards, ancestor from the future past, blah, 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 blah. So does this mean that, that Reed Richards is going to be black too? And and I was like, what does, what, why I hate Twitter? Like I hate, I hate the (laughs) Twitter.
2: We don't even know that he's Kang the Conqueror yet. First of all.
1: Yeah. And even if he is. 3,000 years is a pretty long time for, (laughs) 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 you know, like I'm pretty sure I look a little different from my own ancestors uh, uh, going back a couple generations too. So, I mean, there's that.
3: Um, I'm not going to comment.
1: Yeah. The the big thing though, and this is something that like uh, someone mentioned and I was like, "Mm, that is kind of uh, a bummer is, are they going to have Jonathan Majors, you know, face painted up again and continuing a trend in the MCU of like prominent actors of color donning prosthetics and face paint and going to make them blue. Yeah. And kind of like, like Zoe Saldana and, and Poe Clemente, like, um, like these kind of like, Oh yeah. You, a person of color can be in the MCU as long as they're an alien. Right. Or, or, or looking a little, little weird. Um, hopefully not. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I think it's an awesome grab for the franchise and I think it's an awesome grab for the MCU because his star is just on the rise. Uh, a similar conversation to what we were talking about when, you know, they get, got Brie Larson to play Captain Marvel, like just at the beginning, like she had just won the Academy award at that point. Um, so I think it's an awesome, awesome casting and I'm excited for what it means for the MCU.
0: Have you checked out Brie Larson's YouTube channel? Yes, it's hysterical. Uh, a couple of it videos. Is, it's adorable. It is. She <laughs> is such a nerd, and I love her. I love her so much.
2: <laughs> Just rebuilding her video room. Yep, so she I saw that one. Yeah, she can shoot the videos.
0: I I love her channel. It is it is very pure. It makes me smile, and I I never really realized. Just how much of a dork she is and it, it just – it endeared me to her all the more. Um, big fan.
2: Big yeah. fan. The, the other one that was funny was her telling her audition
0: stories. Yes. Her terrible yes. audition story. Have you seen uh, – no, never mind. We're not going to get down the no. rabbit hole. Maybe, maybe after the show. Uh, does anybody have any other thoughts for Jonathan Major's –
3: No, I'm excited to see it happen. It's interesting because, like you said, we don't even really know 100% if he's been Kang, so I'm just excited to see where it's going. I'm just excited to see forward movement and a lot of these things.
2: Yeah. It's been a while. My one extra would be the Kang thing gets so ridiculously convoluted, and that goes all the way back to Stan and Jack. Kang may or may not also be the relative of, or that person exactly, Dr. Doom, Ramatot, the Scarlet Centurion. <laughs> I could have he could have his own supervillain team, just with his, the only aspects of his personality t- traveling through time. So mm-hmm. let's go for it. Let's do all of them.
1: And on the the race question again, when I saw people doing that, I was like, but then when Iron Lad shows up in Young Avengers, like like Jim Chung kind of codes him as Asian in the illustration anyway. So it's like, even if he isn't it, like get over it. Like who can be like, oh, he's going to be an ancestor of Reed Richards, blah, 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 blah. Like dude. Anyway,
0: continue. <laughs> Go on next <laughs> Uh All right. Yeah. It's amazing how um, is likely to play translates to definitely going to play for some of these casting announcements. And it's instantaneous. Yeah. Too. Look, Keanu
2: Reeves has been the silver surfer for about 20 years now. <laughs> he still never ever signed a contract to do a Marvel movie yeah
0: that reminds me I gotta he has a kickstarter going around for like a three volume graphic novel series that I uh, from Matt Kent that I really want to check out
2: but that's also coming out as a real book that's boom isn't it Joey yeah
0: yeah,
1: yeah that's a little tricky because boom was like hey help us kickstart this book and everyone was like wait a minute boom like you guys are an actual studio and they were like oh uh, yeah meh, meh, meh. We, we
2: want to get more people into reading books yeah, that was there. Yeah. yeah, okay, maybe it does sound interesting though. Was it Berserker? I believe it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I'm down with the Reeves. I uh, I like him quite a bit, uh, just as much as I like Brie Larson and her YouTube channel. All right, enough enough for promotion. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go from not knowing who somebody is going to play to somebody who's definitely going to play a Marvel Ooh. superhero, Tatiana Maslany. Is going to be Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk, for Marvel's Disney Plus series, My God. Love,
2: love this idea. Anyone who's ever seen or- Orphan Black knows she yes. can do virtually anything. Did you just to say, Joy, about getting Brie Larson off the Oscar, getting Tatiana off the back of Orphan Black, which won so many awards in so many places, because she plays so many characters perfect and she was not on the radar at all I didn't see one article mentioned her and the name comes up and it's oh that's perfect
0: it's just, just kind of got out of nowhere great cast. Uh, I heard she is phenomenal in Perry Mason the new series that's out right now as well there She's intense yeah and and I'm I'm looking forward to as as somebody who played you know multiple personalities or multiple versions of herself in orphan black it's to see that that change from Jennifer to She Hulk, I'll be very curious to see how what her approach is to that, uh, knowing that she is that versatile and that she can move between those characters and, and and positions on camera and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm I'm over the moon for this. Like you said, Bob, this was totally out of left field. She was never even floated as a possibility. And then they just dropped this news about five days ago and it was game time. So, uh, Joey, Aaron, any thoughts? No. Oh,
3: I thought, listen again, I'm super happy for this story and the next story, especially because now they're finally moving towards giving more focus to these other female characters in these universes, and I'm super excited about it. You couple that with the fact that we're getting news of things actually to come, couldn't be happier. I have never seen—I've seen Orphan Black. I've never—I didn't. I'm not a—I haven't watched every single episode, um, but every episode I saw, I was extremely impressed with her, and I was sort of like, she should be on her way to being a superstar yeah. right now, just from the episodes I saw. And then she sort of went. I mean, I, I knew she was in Premation I saw her in a couple other things. Um, but I felt like, oh crap! I hope this isn't a scenario where she sort of just fades away, and there's this amazing talent that doesn't get its due. So I'm excited about this. I'm very excited about it, and I'm excited about what this means for Disney Plus. To be honest with you, um, so um, let's let's see where this goes.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm on the same page. I think, yeah, I'm a big Orphan Black fan. I think Tatiana Maslany is an awesome actress. Canada man coming through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome um saw a lot of commentary about kind of like the the diversity of body types especially with a character like like she hulk i think was an opportunity um and i do agree with that sentiment a little bit um a lot of it actually frankly uh especially kind of the way the character is being portrayed now in the comics um which i think is a step in the right direction um and at the same time i also think tatiana maslany is an awesome actress so uh i'm excited for the casting i think the the biggest thing though is like aaron saying like this news and then the, the WandaVision stuff, um, which I think is what you were alluding to. Uh, it's just exciting to like, you know, things are happening, especially after like months of things not happening yeah. and just kind of like sitting around and waiting. And like, this will be if they push black widow back, uh, which who knows, they will. It'll, it'll be like the first year in like 10 years that we haven't had a Marvel movie or anything like that. So the fact that WandaVision at least is like kind of slated for November, December, you know, we'll get something in that, in that franchise that has been so kind of like definitive part of the zeitgeist for so long. It's, it's weird. And to have like stories coming out and casting and things like that, it just feels like, it feels good.
0: Yeah. It's kind of wild how like something that's been a part of your life for the better part of a decade, maybe more suddenly isn't there anymore. I was just remarking to Bronwyn the other day about how it feels so weird to like, I'm not comfortable still going to the theater. I've not been back. Uh, I don't know that I will go back for Wonder Woman or Black Widow if it comes out. I don't I personally don't think either one of those movies is coming out this year. But um, I just it's weird. It's weird to not have those things. So the idea that WandaVision is going to land this year uh, has me very, very excited. But we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Let's move on to the next story. Ms. Marvel, this is coming from Hollywood Reporter. Ms. Marvel finds directors in Pakistani Oscar winner and Bad Boys for Life filmmakers. So please excuse me for the names. I am so sorry. I did not read them before. <laughs> this is, this is going to be hard. Uh, Adil El Arbi, Bilal Falah, and Sharmeen Obaid Chinoy. That wasn't so bad. Uh, mm-hmm. And Mira Menon are helping to bring Marvel Studios' first Muslim hero to the screen. So they've all been tapped to work on episodes of the series. Uh like they said they did uh, Bad Boys for Life. Uh Mira Menon, uh her credit or their credits include uh episodes of The Walking Dead, The Punisher, Titans, Dirty John, I don't know what that is. Uh and Outlander.
3: Oh, it's so good. Anyway, go ahead.
0: Is it? I've never heard of it.
3: Moving on. I'll talk later.
0: Okay, okay. Um <laughs> Yeah, New Jersey uh the New Jersey-based hero uh broke ground as Marvel's first Muslim character to star in her own title. And she will become Marvel Studios' first on-screen Muslim hero. Um, you you know who Ms. Marvel is, you get it. So anyway, um we I'm definitely looking forward to checking out. I now have a, another reason to watch Bad Boys for Life. I bought the trilogy on Blu-ray when uh For Life came out and uh we went back to the first Bad Boys, and that movie did not age well uh, in certain ways, and it made me very uncomfortable. But we're gonna we're gonna power through the second one, and hopefully, the third one will be a pleasant surprise because it does look slick as hell, and I've heard really good things about it. So I am potentially very excited that this duo is going to be at the helm of Ms. Marvel. I think it's. I think that they're potentially a fine choice.
2: Absolutely. You, you want this to come off sounding and feeling authentic to the Muslim-American experience. Mm-hmm. So having all those folks on board, and I, I seem to remember it goes back a long ways now that both Sana Aminat and G. Willow Wilson had some consulting gig with this as well. Mm-hmm. Very, very important news to me that we have that representation right here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to see if their names are mentioned in this article anywhere.
2: I didn't see it, but I, I, I didn't see it either. But it goes, this was first announced, what, a year, year and a half ago? So.
0: Yeah, and I mean, when you think about it, like we know how much Kelly Sue had input on Captain Marvel, yeah. and her involvement was mentioned like all but once. And then, you know, it was the PR machine doing everything else. So um, who knows? Well, I'm, I'm sure that we will find out at one point or another. I just, the, the very idea of Ms. Marvel getting her own show, I think a show is a great way to go for her as opposed to a film uh, as a way of introducing this character, her being able to interact with others, Brie Larson possibly showing up uh, for an extended cameo, of some kind would be great. And like I said, the, you know, the Marvel Avengers game for, for all the problems that I have with kind of the after campaign stuff, that story mode is phenomenal and has, has done wonders for the Ms. Marvel character. And as much as I hate Twitter, I did see a lot of love for Ms. Marvel from just, Camps of people that don't normally support that character that were pleasantly surprised and being vocally very positive about her and 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 saying how much of a joy she was to experience in that game. So I'm glad that that game exists and has kind of turned uh, some people on her and has is, it has basically seeded her place in in the MCU. And then this will come along. And hopefully, we'll we'll do big, big things for this character and for you know uh, minority characters like her and 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 other people that we want to see come to the screen. It would be it would be great.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they say she's going to be in the films as well. Did they?
0: Yeah. It says yeah. Here, Kevin yeah.
3: he said, in addition to appearing on the small screen, Kamala Khan will be included in future Marvel films.
0: Oh, awesome! Okay, I didn't see that part. Um, I did see. Some, uh, like, dream castings going around. And, um, oh, man, somebody named an actress that's in a movie that just came out. Should be Fassbender.
2: Uh, t- what? Should definitely be Michael Fassbender.
0: <laughs> no. What?
2: Meryl Streep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Tom Hiddleston.
1: From yeah,
0: <laughs> um, Broken Hearts Gallery oh yeah uh, Gerald, yes. Geraldine oh my God my eyes are terrible Geraldine Viswanathon
1: is oh, her I name what that is yeah I've heard good things about broken that, that that that
0: film yeah it looks um, great I've, I've, it, I've,
1: I've, I, I think I think it's gonna be somebody's breakout role. I think it's going to be a, a, An a relative unknown. Yeah. I think that, because uh, again, you have, it's got Marvel in the title. People are going to know what it is, you yeah. know? Uh, I, and I, and I would actually, I would love that for this show.
2: Well, that's in you're gonna, Jersey City. Yeah, you're going to have to cast. Yeah. It's got to shoot there, but you got to get someone young and how many 17, 18, 19 year olds have had their big breakout yet. They're going to catch someone just at the very start of their rise. I think.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm looking at Geraldine. And I, th- I mean, I, I, I think she's older than Kamala, but she could definitely play younger. She's, 20. she's twenty-five. She's 20. Oh, oh, 25. okay. All right, so maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm not looking forward to the conversation of that casting, but I'm, I'm looking forward to us talking about it. Um, too much, too much negativity going around in the world today. All right, are we moving on? So. Yeah, all right, yeah, moving on. Okay, so this is kind of this is a this is a, a kind of a, I guess kind of a big deal. Uh, definitely something that that we saw coming, but uh, DC Universe is. <sighs>
2: <sighs> go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. I to, I've talked to, to talked to a couple of subscribers. Go ahead
0: wow okay yeah one is on the phone (laughs) The dc universe is rebranding to a comics only platform called dc universe infinite so basically all of their live action series all of their originals all of their their uh you know film and television content will be moved to hbo max uh what survives from it anyway and uh DC Universe is now going to be called DC Universe Infinite, and it is going to be a comics-focused, uh, subscription-based reader. Yeah. And that's about all I know. So, Bob, you sound like you. you Well, have uh,
2: I, w- I won't mention names because I wouldn't want to get him in trouble, but he's related to someone who's related to our show. I'll go that way. He's been a DC Universe guy forever and loved it. The fact that he had access to all these books, all the old television shows, back to the movie serials, the the, the 40s. And the way it was set up, he could not only access these books, but play them on his giant television set in the living Mm. room. It is now only on your phone, only on your tablet, and it's only the comic book. And it's the same thing as Marvel. You're going to have to wait a year to see some of the books. So, well, they say six months. Yeah. Six months. Yeah, I, I believe that when I see it. They can't get their trades out in a year. But if even if they do, it's, it's even changed. if they do, you know, the from another subscriber I heard that I think he said, I think they should rename it to DCFU. <laughs> oh, no. That's what I heard from uh, another subscriber, not the previous one I just mentioned. But I... It was good. we knew it was going to happen because of HBO Max and ATT and all that sort of stuff. And the source, the, the stuff will still be there, you just have to pay for it twice.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you. And so, AT&T.
3: that's where my questions come into play because I'm reading through the article and I'm scanning again and again and again. And I'm seeing that they're giving this sort of special deal for you know, what does it say here in celebration of Batman Day and the announcement, DC Universe Infinite, this special offer with for eligible monthly subscribers to upgrade their service to include HBO Max for an additional (laughs) $4.99. Upgrade it from what? So if I'm an existing – so basically here's what I'm saying. I'm an existing subscriber. I pay the amount that I pay that I've paid all along. Mm -hmm. But you're taking away 75% or 80% of the content. Does that subscription fee decrease? Um, How does that work? Because I already have HBO Max as part of my normal cable <laughs> subscription, so I don't need to pay you four ninety nine for HBO Max because I already get it. Um, so I need to know now that there's going to be some equitable adjustment in my monthly subscription because I, I, we did we said prior to DC Universe, I remember having these conversations that hey, what is DC waiting for? Why don't they? just do DC unlimited the way Marvel did Mm -hmm. Marvel unlimited. And I think had they started there and just let that ride out, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now, but they did so much and promised so much that Mm -hmm. they sort of just stalled on after a while that here we are.
0: Yeah. It would have been much easier for them to set this up as a comic service. And then once HBO max was ready to launch, they could have either rebranded or just said hey we're going to you know extend the plan that if you want to lump this in this is where that stuff is going to be now but instead they've done the opposite and it feels weird it's, like,
3: Bait and it's switch. like every article i've read basically it's like every article i've read over the past several weeks has been like dc universe was a dead man walking from day one it's like you knew this was going to happen then so people inside the you know those four walls knew that this wasn't something that they were going to ultimately put a lot too much effort. There was going to be a threshold there. You know, once they hit that threshold, it's like, okay, that's it. We're, we're not giving any more. And then the at and thing happens. And of course, you know, so I, I, I need more information as a subscriber. I need more information to know what, what I should expect because you're not going to make me pay the same amount for 80% less and then expect me to be happy about it.
2: Were you paying without I don't know, you may not even know. I, I think Marvel's, what, $10 a month?
3: Somewhere like that, 9 99
2: or something like right. that, yeah. So what, what was the DC Universe app, if you don't mind me asking?
3: So actually, I just, it's interesting because I just looked because I pay it via PayPal. I just looked while we were uh, reading this before, and apparently the last my last payment was $8.45. Okay,
2: so reasonably the same, but you got all that extra content. Correct. So they may Again, be thinking, had I- oh, look, it's we're just giving you what Marvel does, and we're still $1.50 under them. You should be happy. Bullshit. No, I, I Bull- don't disagree, but I think that's their corporate
3: thinking. Nope. Bullshit. You should have just – have you just given me that out of the gate? I would have been fine, yep. but no. Yeah. Yep. Equitable adjustments.
1: Speaking as someone who does not have a subscription to DC Universe, uh, this is what I wanted. And finally, you know, it's an offer of something that I am interested in and, and would consider getting, especially because I have HBO Max and as we've been talking about for the last few weeks – We've noticed a lot of DC Universe kind of television mm-hmm. content, film content moving over there anyway, right? So especially over the last few weeks, I was like, oh, do I really need DC Universe? And then they make this announcement that it's going to shift to kind of a comics-focused piece. And um, I think it'll be easier for them to get the digitized books onto that app than it is to get their trade paperbacks out in terms of the timeline. <laughs> Let's hope. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it is something that I would consider as a new subscriber, as someone who doesn't have that kind of coming from, which, again, not to take anything away from the very real kind of concerns that, that y'all are expressing right now, and it is totally messed up. And, uh, sh- and we talked about how, like, why didn't they do a legitimate digital comics library from the jump? Um, but in the same way that, Marvel unlimited has given me the opportunity to go back and read and become Uh familiar with characters that I never did before. Perhaps this could be that for me, for DC, especially since their whole publishing real life publishing stuff has been such a fiasco over the last few months. Anyway, I might just be like, get me DC universe, Marvel unlimited, and I'll be able to read everything I want. Even if it is six months late, it doesn't matter. Um, So I would consider it. I don't know if I made a decision yet, but um, as a new subscriber, it would be, Something that I'm interested in.
3: I can honestly say that as I probably have dipped more into the DC backlog in history than I ever would have before having DC Universe. So as a a new subscriber, I would absolutely, if that is something you're interested in doing, I would absolutely do that. Because in just scrolling through, I'll be honest, there are things that I found that I didn't even know had been published. I found a Vixen book that was written by G. Willow Wilson that I had no idea you know had ever been written and it was excellent it was really really excellent um so you know and that's there um on the positive side again the one of the one of the the issues that i have had with a comic book um part of this is unlike with with marvel it is six months marvel unlimited is six months they're about six months behind and every now and again if you're paying attention they slip some things in that are new that most people don't even see but I've, i've caught a few here and there that are same day or as publishing um DC Universe is about a year behind right now in terms of new things that come out. So, okay, if you're going to close that gap a little bit and allow me to sort of sit back for a few more months and then, you know, take advantage of being able to catch up on recent runs that way. Like if I have to wait, like I'm not reading um, Joker Wars, but if I have to wait a year to read Joker Wars, I'm probably not going to read it. But if it comes out in six months or something when, you know, similar, where we're still seeing sort of the the aftermath of it yeah, in the current absolutely. sort of history, then I'll probably go back and sort of wrap it up or jump onto it and sort of get engaged that way. Um, that tends to be what happens with me in Marvel Unlimited. So there's some value there. Um, I, I, I do have a little bit of an issue with that $4.99 per month thing, though. But in any event... Um, as a, as a new subscriber, I would recommend it. I really would, because it, like I said, there's there's a lot out there. They say what twenty four thousand books are going to be out there. Yeah. So yeah, I would say do it. But yeah, you gotta you gotta clean up your house there first, and let let your existing uh, residents know what's happening. Are we are we being evicted and moved to other rooms, or what's happening?
2: Yeah, you get you get the the, the front bedroom, and that's it. You can't use the rest of the house anymore.
3: <laughs> apparently, apparently. <laughs> Yikes.
0: All right. Good stuff. Lots of opinions. DC Universe. Long may it rain. Mm. (laughs) Moving right along. Harley Quinn finally renewed for season three. Huzzah. Yeah. Where is it going to be, though? Is it going to be on the app? (laughs) It's probably going to be on HBO Max.
3: Yeah, it's going to be on Max. It's going to be on Max.
0: Yeah. Uh, As someone who has seen four episodes of Harlequin, I'm looking forward to this. Bob, I know that you're a big fan of the show. What do you think? Yeah. I have
2: only seen probably five episodes. Though they were showing them here for some reason on regular cable. They're on sci fi. Yeah. Uh, Edited a little bit, cleaned up a little bit, but still rather grown up. They show them really late at night. It's hysterical. It is. It is Harley, but it's also a satire of Harley and a satire of comics in general. And it's, for those older enough to remember Adult Swim and when things like when the Cartoon Network were doing all their nutty stuff and Space Ghost and Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. This is that, and it's had too many drinks. (laughs) It's rather (laughs) raucous. It's a lot of fun. Just wherever it's going to play, watch it.
0: I like that. I like that. Uh, the description. That's great. Thank you. It's very accurate. <laughs> yeah, that too. Man, I love that. Some of that Adult Swim and like, Liquid Television stuff. Heavy metal. So good. Aeon Flux. <gasps> Aeon Flux. Aeon Flux was so brilliant, and the movie was so terrible.
2: Yeah, I do. Nice. I, I do own the movie, but you know, I, I got it for three dollars at Saver, So what do I? <laughs> I wouldn't have paid full <laughs> price for it.
0: Oh, that character with the the feet hands. Yes, no thank was, you. That was
2: very disturbing.
0: <laughs> no thank you. Uh, anybody else got any love for the Harley Quinn?
3: I haven't started it yet, but um, uh, Carolyn's been doing a watch of that as well, so I told her I, w- I would watch along with her.
0: It's a ride. So I'm, I'm
3: curious. It's a ride. because Harley uh, Quinn is. Go ahead. I was I was going to say Harley Quinn is. I've never really been a big. Van, I don't dislike her. i don't mean going to say it that way. I've never really been enamored with her like everyone else, but I, I keep seeing so much positive buzz there on this show that I'm like, okay, let me give it a shot.
0: I when I first tried watching it, I was really, really thrown by the language, the vulgarity. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like I knew I knew that it was rated R, and I knew that there was going to be profanity, but it just there was a lot of it up front, and for me, it felt very try hard at the start. But the more like and I didn't finish that episode, to be fair, like I, I straight up stopped watching it. Uh, but having gone through the episode and watching more of it and you really start to get to see the framework of it basically making fun of the Batman universe yeah. in one way or another. And it's it's a great empowerment story. And it's a it's a really great way to laugh at all of the silly, stupid shit that you have either read or thought about when it comes to the Batman universe and how ridiculous it is. And, and mostly some of its villains. Um, and like I said, the characterizations of the villains is straight up hilarious. Uh, Bane is incredible. So good. And I love Frank, the giant Venus flytrap plant. Yeah, oh, plan.
2: yeah well, you know me being a little shop guy. Yeah, that hit me right away. That's their tribute to, so, to Audrey. Certainly,
0: so 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 good, Aaron. Well, on the on the Harley thing, that
2: show though, again, it's a it's a little further out. It's definitely channeling the Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiati run. We're definitely in that sort of yeah, absolutely yeah, and that one we were lucky enough to have the two of them on just before that launched. And their, their Harley is what everyone now sees as Harley, but their, their little run heads really had some heart to it in the middle of all the poop jokes and all the weird stuff going on. You still really cared for Harley. It wasn't just bang someone over the head with a sledgehammer and laugh about it. There was, there was some real stuff. She created her own little family in her Coney Island Waxworks museum, uh, animal sanctuary, amusement park place, and it was it was rather charming in a in a ridiculously profane way. <laughs>
3: you know, I think you just hit the nail on exactly why I think for me Harley is is challenging as a character because she can be on one side full on just comic relief. You know what I mean? Just full on just flat out comically. But then on the other side, she can be like murderous, <laughs> you know, like sociopathic, you know, like like serial killer type.
2: Yeah. You know? uh, um, so- Amanda and Jimmy's run, she was not a homicidal. She was trying to get away from that. She'd broken up with the Joker, sort of the way the movie is. Mm-hmm. And she did some stuff. I mean, she'd get into scraps, certainly. And when people annoyed her, she had a giant scatapult on her roof and would throw animal poop at them. Oh, okay. Wow. Including the D.C. offices. She splattered their whole building. <laughs> just, Yikes. Just because. We had to get rid of, she had 500 rescued animals. She, she rescues animals in her building, and it got to be rather uh, ripe. So her oh, so so her so her, so her uh, tech guy built her a scatapult on the roof, and she would just fling it into the East River. <laughs> he, says, he says scatapult. Wow. It's a scatapult. I didn't make it up. Amanda and Jimmy did. So many things.
0: Delicious. (laughs) All right, are we moving on? Yes. Supergirl. Supergirl to end with upcoming sixth season. Pour one out. Supergirl will conclude with its upcoming sixth season. Uh, The CW and -and -and so-and-so-and-so announced on Tuesday. It was not made clear whether the network canceled the show or the showrunners decided season six would be the end. The writing team has already started mapping out the 20-episode final Ooh, season, season, which will begin production in Vancouver, Canada, later this month.
3: So what does that leave to, of the Arrowverse? Flash? And- Legends?
0: Flash, Legends of Tomorrow. Batwoman. Batwoman. Oh, and, is Black
3: Lightning part
2: of the Arrowverse? They, um, crossed it, they crossed that world over into the crisis, but I'm not sure. I don't know if there were any Black Lightning episodes after the crisis ended, so I'm not sure that they ever deal with the ramifications of the way Batwoman and Supergirl did.
0: Mm, so okay. could, be,
2: could be, may not be. Same with Stargirl. I'm not sure.
0: Hmm. Uh, so Melissa Benoist had some responses to... Uh, To the news, but I will just read the one. She says, "To say it has been an honor portraying this iconic character would be a massive understatement. Uh, Seeing the incredible impact the show has had on young girls around the world has always left me humbled and speechless. She's had the uh, she's had that impact on me too. She's taught me strength I didn't know I had uh, to find hope in the darkest of places, and that we are stronger when we are united." What's, uh, what she stands for pushes all of us to be better. She has changed my life for the better, and I'm forever grateful. That's amazing. Wipe a tear.
2: Yeah, it was a really good show for the most part. There were some clunky episodes here and there. They were occasionally a little preachy that, that annoyed some people. But if you were following along the arc that, that, that Kara had, it all made sense.
0: It was so Sometimes much, yeah. go, oh, go go sorry, go go, no. go, go ahead. I think sometimes at least for me I I, I we've been collecting the seasons of Supergirl uh, as they've come out on Blu-ray and we're going to we're probably going to binge the series at some point. Uh, I just couldn't make time in my schedule to follow it week to week and then I lost the thread. But I think what some of these CW shows suffer from is their episode count. Like There's just – there's too many episodes in a season, and they pad some of these stories out to where it feels that the story meanders a little bit. Um, From what you've said, Bob, I mean, they always end up bringing it back around and delivering some really stellar episodes. I just think, for me, if you run into a bum episode and you have to wait another week to watch another one, it's harder – to make the time to go back as opposed to if you just have it right there and just move on and, and pick up the thread. Does that make
2: sense? Yeah, I think it is it's emblematic of the way television is made today as opposed to the way mm. it was made years ago. Mm. Everything has to be connected into a larger story. So not not some of the network police shows not I mean they're just programmers and it's the murder of the week or the whatever it is of the week but a lot of the genre shows particularly are all as if they're an old movie serial you're getting an hour chapter of this 13 part story
4: yeah
2: if you're invested in this story boy you've got a great season ahead of you if you as you say Steve come into a bum, first or second episode, you may check out and then you just check out for the next 11.
0: That's pretty much what happened. Right.
2: And that's, that's comics too in its own way. In that everything is written for the trade instead of... Let's, look, there, there are 78, 79 Star Trek episodes. One's a two-parter. They're cobbled together from the original pilot. Some of them reference other episodes or other things that happen, but they're all standalone. You, in essence, can watch them in any order you feel like. Mm -hmm. And so when shows like that in the old days were sold to syndication, a lot of shows that weren't hits, as Star Trek was, and even things like Batman, were were still on the air 40 years after they were on because it didn't matter. Shows Mm -hmm. that are all interconnected, and in this case, interconnected to other shows, boy, you've you've got to tell a great story. And sometimes there are lulls. Supergirl had them, but when it was on, it was really on. The stories about aliens and alienation, people, the way they addressed the other, in this case, using aliens, literally, were powerful things. The shows with John Jones and his, his, his father, who was wonderfully played by Carl Lungley, who had played the Martian Manhunter in the Justice League cartoons, perfect casting. So really wonderful relationships among the cast, and in one case... Uh, Melissa has married Christopher Wood her, her played monell and she is with child as they used to say which is why the show's a little delayed
3: hmm. so i read well part of the reason why you know i think it was in the 90s this whole idea of having these connected stories happen is because it they felt like it the, the whole cliffhanger effect it, it keeps viewers engaged and make them feel like they have to come back and hear the rest of the story. I think the problem with that is that they also continue to maintain this whole, well, it used to be a season was like 22 episodes. Then it became like 27 episodes and it became like 32 episodes. And then, you know what I mean? So it began, began to become so huge and so large. And I've always felt like maybe in the instance of the Arrowverse and, and once there became so many shows that maybe it would have been good to sort of break up their seasons. Like maybe if there's 15 episodes or something on each side of that sort of fall break, then you don't have to – you can eliminate some of those um, fluff episodes that you know are really just filler episodes to get you from one arc Mm -hmm. to the next or from one part of the season until sweeps week in in February and May where all those things where they really need you to pay attention. Um, I just feel like maybe – Maybe that would keep the show from getting, the shows from getting stale, you know, or, or potentially losing, because there's not that much you have to, you don't have to stick around for, you know, 30 some odd episodes to really figure out how things wrap up. You can sort of check in and check out, you know, based on which show you're into. Yeah, I just thought check. that might have been a better, that might have served it a little bit better. Because let's be honest, that's, when we go on Netflix or Hulu or wherever, or HBO, that's you know, we're sort of like, wait, this is 12 episodes. God, I really want it to be 10. You know what I mean? We sort of have that attitude now of we can really wrap this up in eight episodes and be fine with it. So I think that's where everyone's mind is right now. So when you see these long form shows, it becomes difficult.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. My question to Bronwyn earlier was, is it possible that they're ending Supergirl with plans to introduce a Supergirl to the DCEU, the film verse? down the road and they're trying to, to separate one from the other they might
2: be I there's some of that there's some that maybe six seasons is too long and it's an, it's enough time they've done enough episodes I don't Tell think, that to the flash I, oh well, there you go I checked out on that one long ago um, there are rumors that the ratings have not held up as well as they should having moved mm-hmm. over from CBS and there was a, initially a really big hit on CW. And then as they kept adding other shows, I think they all took from each other a little bit. There was a little bit of overkill. And as, as Aaron says, with so many episodes of so many of them, people had to choose. Well, you know, I can't watch two hours of this on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So there was Batwoman and Supergirl. And then Monday was Arrow and Black Lightning. and Tuesday was the Flash or whatever. Wow. Now you're, you're in for, you know, five hours, of Arrowverse a week, I wasn't there a season. I uh, say I don't watch as much of this as I should. I guess where they split them, where, where they had full premieres and mid season premieres, that some of them came on in February, mm-hmm. February. but uh, maybe that didn't work well for the ratings. Who knows?
3: Yeah, I think they would just do like the, the A lot of shows start doing that whole fall finale and you know, and fall premiere and winter whatever what to call it. Yeah, yeah, but. Is these sort of demarcation lines in between. And maybe that was designed to sort of psychologically convince you that there was, you know, it, it was not as big as it was, as it really was, yeah. but. Yeah, I don't, I just uh, especially with the Flash. Like, I enjoyed the Flash, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the Flash those first couple of seasons. That I oh, watched, yeah, I had fun with that show too. For whatever reason, I you know, I think it was work related or something. I sort of fell out of it because I wasn't able to catch up on the episodes. I was DVRing them at the time, and I wasn't able to catch up on the episodes. And when I realized, Jesus, I got like seven episodes to catch up with, Oof. it just became hard. <laughs> to, too many speedsters, you know, it was just like, oh, I, I'm so behind now. And then I would hear you know, different things about what's going on. Everyone's like, oh, it's so great. I'm like, I, I'm sure it is, but I don't have the mental capacity to try to catch up right now. So, it, you know, so if it were the case that, you know, I maybe dropped off at episode four because of whatever happened, but I only knew that and I knew there were only six more episodes in the season, then yeah, I, I would sit down on a weekend where I'm not doing anything and watch them. But if I drop off on episode you know, 12 because of whatever and realize that, you know, the season ends at episode 32. Oh my God. No, no. I'll, I'll Wikipedia it. <laughs> <You> know, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll get the cliff notes. You tell me what happened. I, I'll be honest with you. I did that with arrow a couple seasons when I got behind, I literally just developed what I called the critical path of the season, you know, from Wikipedia and literally just watched those
0: episodes. And it was fine. It's like taking out all the filler episodes for dragon ball Z. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep.
3: I mean, that's actually what you gotta do
0: Oh boy Alright well Farewell Supergirl. Supergirl Get it while you can Last but certainly Not least Marvel 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 Had in the middle of the night Out of nowhere Dropped a Official trailer For WandaVision Woo! Possibly the only thing coming to Disney Plus later this year. I'm just kidding. Uh, At least from the Marvel camp, anyway. I don't think that uh, that Modok show is ready, or what if? No, they're ready either. No. So, but anyway, um, so they dropped the trailer for WandaVision, and it looks weird. Yeah. In all the ways that I was hoping that it would be. So, Bob, you, you sound very eager to talk about this. You want to jump in? Yes. It Just what
2: you're saying, all the weirdness we had heard about that, that could be going on in this show, You there are probably 14 different plots you could construct in just seeing what you did as to where this is going and where it's headed. But you have... It's the notion, obviously, that Wanda shattered from the death of the Vision back in Infinity War, has created her own safe spot, her own set of worlds to live in. And it's funny. It's cute watching her be in the sort of I Love Lucy or Bewitched era, and then maybe up into the Bradys or One Day at a Time or something. But there's a depth to what's going on when you see something start to happen to her and where it heads. Mm -hmm. Little clips of oddities with... There's one character reappearing in a couple of different spaces who I'm thinking is Agatha Harkness. Maybe it's her daughter. I'm not sure. It's much younger than the Agatha I remember, which leads to that one great line that I won't spoil. We should. Some people may see that. That starts to change things. We get a glimpse of what seems to be Monica Rambo. to go with everything yes. else. Yep. love love the vibe of it the, the use of an old bit of music to just make it happen old platter song I thought it was brilliant I've watched it about 14 times already <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah they got um, so Darcy Lewis, Kat Dennings from the Thorverse mm-hmm. is coming back Paul Bettany of course is Vision Catherine Hahn who I absolutely love is, is Agnes uh, Elizabeth Olsen of course then Randall Park is coming back as Jimmy Wu. Tayona Paris is going to be Monica Rambeau. Shane uh, Barragu is going to be Tactical Sword Agent. So maybe we're starting to get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, Fred Melamed, if you've seen either The Spy Who Dumped Me or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, he played Parlov in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He is Mr. Hart. And Kitty from that 70s show is Mrs. Hart. It's uh, Deborah Jo Rupp. So, yeah. Lots of cool people in here, and uh, yeah. Joey, you've been quiet for a while. What do you think?
1: You said Agnes, but it's Agatha Harkness, 1,000%. Get ready. That's all I'm going to say about that. It looks awesome. It's fantastic. I'm really hyped for it. Uh, Love Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen as the characters. I'm excited for the Halloween episode, and uh, yeah,
0: let's go. (laughs) All right, Aaron.
3: It's just batshit crazy enough for me to want to watch it because it doesn't follow, a, you know, the the formula of the superhero thingy. But did you see on, on – I saw on Instagram earlier the, the uh, Easter egg for House of M that was apparently in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. I thought yes. that was interesting that people are already sort of
2: dissecting
1: it. I didn't see that. <laughs> Where's, where
2: was the Easter egg? What is it?
1: It's on the wine
2: bottle. Oh,
1: okay. I think it's a stretch. But. Yeah, I,
2: I, I just, I
3: love that people go, like, out of the gate, they go all in trying to find little clues, but go ahead.
2: Right, there are people who have put YouTube videos up that are ten times as long as this trailer to yes. explain everything that's in it, <laughs> which is which is marvelous, no pun intended, because there is a lot to get at here. Joey, as our resident mutant expert, could we be looking at a reverse house event? The heart powers right, so are that's the House Man. of
1: M thing, and everyone's like, this is yeah. it. This is how they're going to introduce mutants. Yeah. We're not getting a mutant X-Men movie from Marvel for at least, like, six years. So everyone needs to calm their buns, okay? <laughs> uh, WandaVision, I think, is more likely to, to bring Viz back to the MCU in some way, or at least the opportunity to have him be revived and set up the multiverse for... Doctor Strange. That's what you're going to get from this. If you think at the end of WandaVision, it's going to be like, hey, bub, I'm the best of this. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Like, absolutely not. Like, no way, hoes. But some, ex- some
2: use of her powers triggers mutants that we would then see six years from now. I don't buy okay. it. I would love it, but I don't buy
1: it. I think that people just really want things to move very quickly and uh, No. Okay. So
3: the (laughs) only reason why I'm going to push back on that is because I honestly think they absolutely believe Okay, let me just be clear I don't think you're going to have a full on You're not going to have Wolverine or anyone else popping up at the end of it But I think the studio absolutely believes that most people think exactly like that There's not going to be anything related to this And I think at the last minute they're probably going to be like Bam, let's just throw something in there It'll totally be something they made up that afternoon while having lunch and said Hey, let's film this real quick and throw it in there but I think they just want to wet people's whistles. I, I think something, something, somewhere is going to happen. That they're just going to want to wet people's whistles and engage them. And then you're right; it'll be you know 2028 when we finally get the movie that actually premieres. So I don't
0: know. It's a lot of wetting of whistles, man. Yeah. Hey, we could also help set up the young young Avengers here too. Yeah, no, look, I'm down I'm down for just about anything that this show can throw at us. Yeah. I am starved for some Marvel content at this point in the year, so let's go. With you. With you, 100%.
2: Hey, if there's no Black Widow movie, this could be the only Marvel content of the year. It's true.
0: Sad. I it's totally sad. forgot about the Black Widow movie. Absolutely. Come on, man, family. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. We're done. Right? Yep. Nope. nobody else, nothing good alright, fantastic let's talk about the books coming out this week Uh Bob, what are you picking up?
2: Fantastic Four, Antithesis because I pre-ordered it, I will hope that the second issue was better than the first it was underwhelming mm-hmm. Wicked Things number 5 mm-hmm. Black Magic number 14 and I guess I have to take a shot at the Immortal
0: She-Hulk yeah okay, sure. yes yes uh, Joey, what do you got?
1: Uh, Immortal She-Hulk, X of Swords Creation. There's a new graphic novel from Boom called Scene. Um, this is going to be a new graphic novel series highlighting kind of, um, you know, trailblazers from marginalized communities. Uh, Marginalized Communities. So I think this is a new series of graphic novels. The first one is about Edmonia Lewis, a woman who changed America during the Civil War by becoming the first sculptor of African American, Native American heritage to earn international acclaim. This is by Jasmine Walls and Bex Glendening. Uh, Sounds cool. And it should be the first in a series. Um, I'm also going to go back to 2019 in lieu of of recent events. There was a graphic uh, novel called Becoming RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's Journey to Justice by Mm -hmm. Debbie uh, Levi that came out in 2019 that we missed. And um, just, you know, to honor her and and her impact, I wanted to go back and do a little reading. Uh, So I'll pick that one up as well.
0: Absolutely.
3: Aaron. So, I think Aquaman 63 comes out this week, does it? Yep. I think, and Justice League Dark number 26. I'm also going to pick up Black Magic number 14. I'm going to go back and say y'all should be reading Justice League Dark. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, I think Bliss number 3 also comes out. Yes, it does. So, yeah, I'm going to grab that. And then I'm also going to pick up the FF Antithesis, Um, because you know how I am. I just, I want to see where this is going. I don't want to give up on it right away. I think juggernaut number one. Uh, I'm gonna say ten of fours creation. I don't know. One of us will have getting the it, right. Um, and then Shadow Service number two. I talked about that a book a few weeks ago. So I'm gonna see how that goes, where that goes.
0: Cool. Very cool. Uh, I'm picking up Suicide Squad number nine. I believe there's a new Sabrina coming out this week. Oh. Yeah. So new uh, new Sabrina from Kelly Thompson, uh, Wind. From James Tynan, number four is coming out. Uh, and I also have Wicked Things, Bliss, Immortal She-Hulk, uh, X-Ten of Swords, and Black Magic on my list as well. And then I have to add Hellions, number four, and that Empire Avengers stuff, because stuff.
3: money. Yeah, man. Yeah, man.
0: Yeah.
2: let me also say that this week, the preview should be in your local store. Do your store owner a favor and go through the previews and let him know what you want to get, so he can help out with his orders. Because it's really tough right now.
0: Hmm. Does anybody have any closing statements before we get out of here? Any birthdays?
2: No, we did. <laughs> we did sorry. those. We're all done with birthdays for a while.
0: All right. Nobody has birthdays anymore. I'm sure it's someone's birthday. I'm sure it is. Happy birthday to them. Happy birthday. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. it's your birthday.
2: (laughs) We've we've reached... Give me my birthday present. We've reached the end of this week's edition. Sorry. The
0: Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. We've also got TalkingComicBooks.com where you can find reviews and features from our fantastic... Wonderful. Really, they're great. They're our, our contributors. Also, if you like this podcast, you might want to go and check out Talking Valiant DD Adventure. And of course, the ladies of Valhalla, who just this past weekend recorded a whopping four hours of <laughs> Twilight content for you to consume. I was there for most of it. It was a riot. I uh, so. hear
2: it's something special.
0: <laughs> uh, let's see, where was I at? Um, oh, we're at the part where I, yeah. where I say, Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old
2: fashioned email, Bob Reier at talkingcomicbooks.com. Joey?
0: At Joey Riccino. Aaron?
3: the bottom of a vodka bottle. Oh. oh. At Aaron J. Amos on Twitter. Rim.
0: Sarah's at Geek Country Lady. Jessica's at Jarska for all the things. Bronwyn is at Shiny Baby B. And I. I'm at dead underscore anchoress on the internet. So for Bob, where's my cake, Bedelia? For Joey. Bye. For Aaron.
3: JK Rowling can bite me.
0: Yeah, (laughs) she can. She sucks too. Her and breaking Dawn part one. They both suck. (laughs) I have been Steve say, thank you so much for listening. Be careful out there. Get ready to vote, get organized, be loud, be proud, and make sure that your voice is counted. This November. You need it. Alright? Alright. Until next time on the Talking Comics Podcast. TV. Continue. <laughs> I, just, I read i read some cool stuff thank you bob thank you anybody else anybody come on have I? wow oh, ow wow, <laughs> wow. This, is a, this is a this show this is a this is a bad show so far i'm just kidding it's fine. for you maybe listen, listen everybody everybody listening at home we're all very strung out it has been a long long week uh, it's been a long year and, and I think it's, it's been taking its toll and, you know, we try not to bring too much of that stuff to the podcast, but every now and again, it leaks through. And I think this is the week. This is the week. Well, where you can I it. will say,
3: I will say with that being said, this is still the best time of my week. So just, oh
1: yeah. Have fun. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
3: I mean, Steve, the rest
1: of us seem to be okay. I don't know what, what's going on. Steve, what you should do now.
2: Hulk. Spoil some, spoil some the stuff. That's what Hulk. you need to do. That'll put Joey away.
0: I'll do my own damn lightning